Okay, uh, which one are we starting with, Sean? Uh, I started with Twister. So did I. Twister with a Con Air Chaser. Uh, damn. That would have worked better if it was Con Air with a twist. Mm. Oh, yeah. Of lime. That would have been... I'm glad we're not recording. I gotta get all these bad jokes <laughs> out of the way early. <laughs> Josh, do you want me to start it? Yes. <laughs> oh, it's the floor. Oh my god! Look, I can't right. even look. I can't even look at the the, the What's camera. What's wrong with you today? I don't get it. Hey, everyone, welcome to Nashville CA. This is your double feature, double weekly podcast hosted by one guy in Nashville and another guy, me, in California. Uh, we're really excited this week. We're going to be talking about Twister and Conair with our new friends Stephen and Virginia. But first. I got to check in with my co-host, Josh. How are you doing? Oh, I th- I'm, I'm giddy today. I'm positively glowing. You are glowing. I can't tell if that's embarrassment or nerves or what. I think it's, it's a little bit of everything. Plus, I'm still uh, buzzed from, from shooting the movie last night. We were working on Depth of Field till about 3 o'clock this morning. Um, so I slept in late, and then like I've slammed a bunch of coffee to get ready for this. So I'm wired all the way around. That's good. Yeah. Nice. I was also thinking you might be pregnant. <laughs> Wait, is that does that happen? Do you slam a bunch of coffee when you get pregnant? No, you're glowing. You glow. Oh, okay. That <laughs> makes Virginia more knows. sense. I think we're all, we're all glowing, so we're all pregnant. <laughs> the light behind you, Virginia, is it's uh... like you're lit by heaven behind you. <laughs> Do you know um, any Latin? No, no, it's Dominus. So that's uh, our friend Virginia, and she's joined with her partner in crime, Stephen. And this is our first time having a couple on the podcast. So I hope things don't devolve into a really <laughs> awkward fight where they end up splitting up right here in front of our eyes. No. But who knows? We might win a Peabody if that does happen. <laughs> Hi, guys. How's it going? It's going good. How about you? It's going very good. I'm very excited to be talking about these movies. So I think uh, to start, the question would be, of all the movies in the world, I'm I'm picturing Stephen and Virginia as a Venn diagram, and you got your two circles. (laughs) Why is Twister the one (laughs) in the middle of those two circles? It seems preposterously random. It makes perfect, perfect sense once you... you, uh... Yeah, hear us out. <clears throat> Especially after having watched it again in many, many years, I think, I think we figured out some things as to why um, it clicked, and it was a moment of in trying to trying to decide what movie to do. We went through a long list, and for we, some I mean, reason, was, Twister was just the one. Twister was yeah. yes, yes. There was Twister. a lot of discussion. I mean, we were we were out to eat one night, and we started discussing it, and then we came home, we were discussing it, and then the next day we were discussing it. And what were what were some of the other movies on the list? So we had let's see, uh, we had Ravenous on there, The Thing. Ooh, okay, you, you guys might have to come back for that one. <laughs> the um the thing um oh Reuben and Ed Reuben and Ed was was a uh, was very close um i don't know that at all that's a good one it's great yeah and it's what is that it's um it's with a movie with crispin glover and i'm forgetting the other guys steven you know the other guy's name um 
Ed. Ed. No, his <laughs> name's not Ed. actually Ed. I'm no, sorry. he's Ruben. Yeah, uh, I I I forget. I. Uh. But it's yeah, it's just a, it's a really great uh, '80s movie comedy. Um, very very awkward, funny movie. Um, Crispin Glover uh, was on. Um, oh, he was on. Um, the talk famously. Show. Yeah, what was the what was Letterman? The, Letterman, and he was wearing. <laughs> he almost kicked David Letterman in the yeah, face. Yeah, he had he had these giant platform <laughs> heels on that he wears in the movie, and he almost kicked Letterman in the face, which I love because I think David Letterman's an asshole. But, uh, really, were you a Leno household? Um, we actually were, but I, but truly not really. I mean, if we if we had to choose, I think we watched Leno, but then Conan came, and then Conan. My mom was a Leno guy because she she also was like, David Letterman's like a New York asshole or whatever. Yeah, he seems like such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. But and I don't know. I, for uh, that, for Leno, that... I loved um, whatever his silly, dumb headlines, whatever that bit was. Yeah. Where people just send in newspaper clippings of headlines with typos and stuff. I thought that was pinnacle of comedy when oh, I yeah. was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a homeless guy turned me on to Craig Ferguson when I was living in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, and then yeah. that, Craig Ferguson is the one guy that I really like checked in with a lot, watched his show. And, yeah. um, like I, I was a devotee for a while and I think I, I tried for a while to emulate his conversation style to, mm. to try to get over like my own insecurities and, uh, introvertedness. Um, but does I he... love Conan's travel stuff. That's where, like, yeah. I really, really fell in love with Conan was all the travel. Dude, Craig, Craig Verson was, he's British, right? And he had a <laughs> yeah, he's strong British Scot accent. Scottish. Oh, he's Scottish. Okay. I just remember well, when I, I was little, I think I thought he aren't, was aren't British. Aren't Scottish or... people British? We we don't know enough to weigh in on this, Sean. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous I'm going to say no. Just... Uh, just no, I, it isn't Scotland <laughs> part of the United Kingdom, which would then, but but technically, not, not all of the UK is Great Britain, and you have to be in Great Britain to be British. <sighs> I don't, Beck, it's we're we're at Venn diagrams again. I just don't know where the Venns cross over. <laughs> I don't understand it. And then when they talk about their football, it's soccer. And then they you win the championship, but the championship isn't the actual championship. You have to win a cup, and the World Cup or whatever that is is not as valuable as the European Cup. It nothing makes sense over there. There's also what is it Qu Quidditch? No, that's a that's a. <laughs> <laughs> What's the real one that they like? <laughs> I think With you're the... thinking of cricket. Cricket. That's. Yeah. <laughs> That was magical. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cricket, cricket, baseball's weird cousin. Yeah, it is though. The tube, tube shooter, <laughs> something. So, but, um, uh, getting back to it, yeah. Why, why Twister? How did how did Twister stand above all the rest? When did you guys, well, when did you all first see this movie? Were you? Is it okay if I give them a little bit of our our background, sure. even as as in relation to one another? Yes. Just well, so I'm I'm a bit older, not like a ridiculous amount older, but I'm older than Steven, and um, 
I'm also much more into horror films, so we there wasn't a lot of crossover there, except for the thing in Ravenous. Um, but uh and for some reason, like our ages when Twister came out was were just like I was a little older, but it was still extremely important. He was a little un- younger, but also it just happened to like click somehow. Um where it we go both kind of thought of it at the same time and it was just sort of like this big uh reveal of wait a minute what about twister um and we it just was important to both of us but yeah. at very very different times in our life um and i think i was thinking about uh accessibility and mm-hmm. also it, i i think i was thinking it would be fun to do something that was a huge box office picture and yeah. and something that was just really kind of fun and and twister was definitely one that i really really remember seeing in the theaters and i was a little bit younger but it left an impact on me and one, how old were you steven when you I saw this in the theater well if i saw yeah, it, I it came out in 96 so 96 we're gonna, we're gonna do the math here um i would I have been uh <laughs> i forget <laughs> if i'm if i'm uh, born in 88 you'd be eight and i was 14 wow that doesn't seem right but that doesn't seem right at all (laughs) (laughs) well i was born in 86 and i was 10 when i saw this yeah i'm pretty sure it checks out but i this was a big deal for me as a kid because uh i loved movies but when these giant spectacles started to come out especially with cgi there was such hype just to see what the new technology was going to do and like this new world of movies that was opened up now of like now they can do anything they can Mm -hmm. destroy entire cities if they want to or whatever and that's all cool and that that still works for me this movie has so much freaking heart though i this the cast is stacked and i absolutely love every character actor that they reined in for this thing yeah it was it was a really delightful going back to it as now recently and recognizing everyone and being like oh they're in this they're in this they're in this they're in this i can't believe all these people were in this we're in twister (laughs) this is amazing uh i was just gonna say that jurassic park was also one of the movies we sort of talked about um but is is jurassic park is kind of another one that like that like what you were just saying sean about just like a big blockbuster they're like wait a minute movies are incredible (laughs) (laughs) oh jurassic so i i love spielberg uh as you might know the the one poster that maintains its spot in my poster rotation is Jaws. Uh, and Jurassic Park is nothing if not like a meta commentary on Jaws. That said, I have never seen any of the sequels, but I do love Jurassic Park. So, really? Yeah. Not even The Lost World. Okay. I, th- I love Jurassic Park, but it's too much tension it's it's mm, like i don't enjoy re-watching yeah. it because that movie does not have many pressure relief valves that give you a minute to like really relax one of the only ones is like in the tree with the 
brontosaurus or whatever and it sneezes on the kid <laughs> i also just it's a kid for me to like a movie that has kids in a leading role it's gotta oh, be special yeah. and i just don't like those kids <laughs> and i know that's like the point of the movie is uh, alan grant doesn't want to be a father and he doesn't like kids and then by the end he falls in love with them but but I didn't fall in love with them. <laughs> Maybe if you if you were the yeah the, the the Alan Grant character, you would have learned if you went through all I, that with them. <laughs> I would have loved if Alan Grant by the end of the movie was still like a cold bastard who didn't oh, like yeah. children. <laughs> it's like I saved these two, but that doesn't mean I have to like them. Yeah, I still do not want children in my life. <laughs> also, Jurassic Park is the uh, you know people always have these these stories of like, oh, I saw the exorcist and somebody passed out. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. when I went and saw Jurassic park, a kid ralphed in the, uh, aisle, like during one of the scenes, he got up and was like, oh, dad, wow. dad, and like threw up in the aisle. <laughs> oh, no. And I like to think that it's the power of filmmaking that that <laughs> made that child reverse process in the middle of a bunch of strangers. Do you remember it, what scene it was? I do not. Unfortunately, it, wait, it's, the the beginning, the very beginning. There's nothing gross in that. It's got to be that kid oh, must have just though. like the... ma mixed a bunch of made a suicide with all the Mountain Dew and Coke and Dr Pepper. Oh, and yeah. like Red a bucket of candy. Candy. <laughs> Yeah. Were we saying Virginia? Oh, just the one scene where um, it really freaked me out when I was little, and I had to like hi I think I remember hiding in my chair uh, in the theater, but um, at the very beginning where the guy gets eaten in half by a raptor mm -hmm. and, and you don't see it but you just see him like freaking out and having his body uh, being Shota! sort of shake, shaken Shota! around <laughs> it's really terrifying for some reason like someone's half body being something that, happening to them and you only just seeing their 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 upper half is was very disturbing to me as a child that and intro still is. kicks ass and the noises <laughs> yeah. of like the shotguns and the the squeals yeah. of the raptor and you don't see it and it the guy's <laughs> arms are like clinging onto the edge that kicks ass uh i saw jurassic park in the theater as a kid and i was definitely scared and then i saw it one or two more times in the theater and my grandma likes to tell the story that i like warned her before the scene and outside the tyrannosaurus rex park when it, it comes out and over the fence i like warned her i was like it's gonna be okay Aww. or something <laughs> do you what did y'all think of the um i feel like the beginning of twister was also very uh sort of traumatic for me okay when I first I, saw it. the beginning of twister this 1969 flashback it, it i love it and it, it's it's like definitely cemented in my brain but what the hell is the dad doing hanging on to the door? Why does it matter? Dude, just get away from the door. You're not you're not going to get like your family like sucked out of your storm shelter like it's a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> just get away from there. And the fact that he's his grip is so strong that he holds on to it like it's a sail and he flies he into the going. sky like a Miyazaki character. <laughs> <laughs> also who has that many windows in their storm cellar like mm. right. kind of defeats the purpose it, yes yeah. this is what i'm thinking uh that little dog looks like toto from yeah to toby is his name right toby the dog. toby also, the dog. That, 
that family slams the door shut in Toby's face and the daughter has to let Toby in. That was that. Yeah, I was screaming, screaming, the dog, please, the dog, please, 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 please get the dog. There's two, two, two uh, parts of the movie that have that make you really worry about if they're going to get rescue the dog or not. It's very, uh, it's very manipulative. <laughs> I feel like that was such a 90s thing because uh, Independence Day has a huge mm-hmm. like dog moment, probably the biggest dog in danger moment. Like of any movie that I can remember in the fire oh, tunnel. Oh yeah. Boomer! <laughs> and the dog jumps and then like a CGI wall of fire flies past it. <laughs> or Dante's Peak. There's a scene where Dante's Peak, the lava's like coming down a hill and the family dog is there and it has to jump off of a boulder into the bed oh, of the God. pickup truck as it's driving by. <laughs> Fucking mid '90s directors yep. were just so lazy. Like, ah, just put a dog in danger. Yeah. The crowd will love it. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Hurricane Heist? Yes. No. Nope. I got from Helen Hunt such heavy Hurricane Heist vibes because in Hurricane Heist, a storm kills a hurricane kills a guy's dad, <laughs> and afterward in the storm he sees like a skull in the clouds and he talks to the storm as if it's personified and like the storm is out to get him. 30 years later, <laughs> the storm is still out to get him. And the idea that Helen Hunt's mind somehow Every tornado exists as one entity that has somehow singled her out to kill her oh, is yeah. just some kind of th- therapeutic like she needs help in a way that I can't even describe. <laughs> when when it was Hurricane Heist uh when was that? Moment? Um 19 2019 or something. It's with uh, Oh, it's a it's a newer newer Yeah, yes. Toby Kebbell and the guy the Australian guy from True Blood. And they're both doing southern accents. And oh. it's it's quite a spectacle. And get this, there's a heist during the hurricane. Oh. So uh also Does the hurricane help their heist or hinder their heist? The hur- the heist is based around the hurricane. They've been waiting for a for hurricane, hurricane. <laughs> strong enough for all these years to execute this heist. Also, it's Neil McDonough of Ravenous Fame, the guy with the laser blue eyes. The eyes that, like, you're worried oh, they might yeah. melt your soul if oh, you yeah, match eye contact with him. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I like, I, like, I like him a lot. He's in a lot of random things that I always forget that he's He's in. a that guy, for sure. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's just, he's definitely. around a lot, but you never really notice him. Speaking of that, guys, Twister, like you said, Sean, the, the cast is nothing but that, guys. And mm-hmm. I distinctly remember... This was the first time that I took notice of Philip Seymour Hoffman in something. Steals the movie. He's amazing. <laughs> He's so flamboyant and it's so very much natural. fun. Yes. Yeah. And I got emotional seeing him when he first gets introduced. Like, I still feel the loss of him like a lot stronger than I thought that I thought I would. Him yeah. bringing this much character to such a small character is incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His introduction. Hey, I don't believe Who is it. that handsome devil? Gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> the extreme. Oh, man, it's the extreme. <laughs> oh, man, don't start that shit. <laughs> oh, manly handshake ensues. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. <laughs>
The extreme! <laughs> and just like his body language, and he squats down and then he runs over and uh, everything about it. The line he's is, so uh, he's, good. and a manly handshake ensues. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. I wonder if that's, if that was in the actual script in like the notes, and then he just narrated the script there. I wouldn't oh, be yeah, surprised. Yeah. I think. I think that was a lot of ad-libbing, and it was great. It was like every mm. 90s guy, like stoner, mm. fun, beer-drinking dude, uh, all wrapped together in one character, and he really does have the majority of the quotes in this movie, like, mm-hmm. the, like the, the, the little catchphrases. The suck zone. And he's, he's in his uh, van. It's, it is Eric Clapton that he has. I was trying to figure out what that music video was. I'm not a big Eric Clapton fan, so I, I wasn't I didn't catch it right away, but oh he's it, jamming out to an Eric Clapton song. Um and not just an Eric Clapton song, a, a late stage Eric Clapton when he went almost entirely acoustic blues, uh like laid back blues stuff. I yeah. was a huge Eric Clapton fan when this came out. Um and that's that's somebody who's made it really hard to uh, appreciate their work. With his later revelations of his assholery. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about one of my stuff. yeah one of my favorite we Carl Pilkington bits that makes me laugh just in and daily life is anytime I hear "Wonderful Tonight" by Eric Clapton, I think of the fact that Carl Pilkington thought that was a song about a man in a wheelchair who's being pushed around by his girlfriend. And so they listen to the entire song, and he's trying to point out all the instances where in his mind he's picturing things, and they're like, it's not there. That's just in your head. He might not have any legs, not, but he's happy. He has got legs. He has got legs. I don't know why you think he's in a wheelchair. There's no clue whatsoever. It seems to be based solely on, do you feel right? Yeah, Which you just say that because they're together at a party. Maybe he doesn't know anyone else there. He can't drive. Because he's drunk, probably. Oh, he's had a great he, time. He's been dancing. Puts him to bed. Because he's drunk. Wow. Is he, though? He's turned out the light. His arms work. Also, if you're playing the at-home drinking game, uh, take a swig because Sean just I, mentioned Carl I Pilkington. I haven't done. I haven't done much Pilkington stuff on this show in a while. I haven't. I haven't played a clip in a long time. That's true. That's true. But now you might have just made me insert one in the edit because of the, your call out right there. What is what is everyone drinking? I'm drinking Coca Cola. <laughs> I already had my coffee for the day, so I'm mm. just drinking water. No more energy drinks. Uh, I'm drinking a... Um, I, I sent Sean some, actually. Um, the Frothy Monkey... I can't remember if it was like Sumatran or Kenyan or whatever, but I bought a couple bags of it and sh- sent Sean one. Um, that was really good. Yeah, the, it's a, it's the a good tasting bean. notes on mine were tomato jam and something else. I don't remember, but it was good. Yeah. My, I still have some. 
I made more more coffee, but my reasoning was Stephen. Well, I made more coffee, and Stephen has some, but my reasoning was, oh, I don't need more coffee. I'll just drink a Coca Cola instead. And uh, I'm realizing that that's not really. It's, it's still I just could... more caffeine. <laughs> but sometimes I think it's a good idea to double down and like, oh, I'll get energized. And then I'm just stressed out for no reason sitting here at my desk and anxious yeah. and nervous and <laughs> I'm just like regretting it all. <laughs> That'll happen. The um, Back to Twister real quick. I, I did want to kind of rant about uh, Jan DeBont, the, or Jan DeBont, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... don't know this guy really outside of... Yeah. This I, and Speed, right? So yeah, he directed Speed, um, but he... Oh, and also um, The Haunting and Lara Croft Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life, which I, I'm a fan of the Lara Croft movies, um, but um, but he was a cinematographer for, for Paul Verhoeven, so he did uh, cinematography for The Fourth Man, um, um, a few other things, but that was the one that like really stuck out for me, and I'm like just a huge Paul Verhoeven fan and had no idea that there was a connection here with Twister. He also uh, did the cinematography for Cujo, which was pretty cool to to learn. I'm like, oh, I really like Cujo. And uh, yeah, he's just he an shot, odd, odd guy. He shot Die Hard also. Yes, Die Hard. Oh, and the Roar. Um, That's cool. The, and he was one of the people, do you guys know about the, the whole Roar? Uh, <laughs> I was just going to ask you the same thing. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. What? I don't. What are you, what's that? So I'll let jo- Josh, you probably have a better, I just know so, the, the tidbits, but. Roar, I'm sorry, I have a problem with my, Roar. with my R's. <laughs> Roar. That is a wonderful title for you to say. <laughs> Thank you. Roar. Could you say, could you please say the rural roar? <laughs> the rural roar. Uh, roar is known as, I believe, the most dangerous uh, movie ever filmed, something along those lines, uh, because it was shot in an actual like wildcat sanctuary, and so many of the people received uh, injuries due to filming. That's not funny. Uh, Jan de Bont had something like two hundred and some stitches in his head. Yeah. Um, after a a big cat uh, took a swipe at him and took off a large portion of his scalp. Ah. So, Jesus. Ugh, so yes. scary. Uh, and there's a, I don't remember what the documentary is called, um, but a couple years ago, one of the companies did a restoration of the movie and put out some behind the scenes stuff. And it is fascinating and horrifying. And the movie is absolutely not worth it. Like, I don't think any movie is worth <laughs> putting someone in even that amount of danger, let alone the, you know, danger of getting eaten by <laughs> one of these cats in their entirety. And it's based off of a true story, right? Isn't it the a famous um, actress? They literally own or lived at a sanctuary or owned tigers well, and just sort of hung out with them. I'm yes, sure the it exact... was uh, Melanie Griffith. That was her growing up. If oh, you yeah. if you Google Melanie T- Griffith, Tippy Hedren was it? Yes, T-Hedren? yeah, yeah. Uh, you you look at these pictures of. Tippy Hedren and Melanie Griffith uh, around a swimming pool, and yes, there's one with that's what it was, yeah. uh, young Melanie <laughs> Griffith is like jumping off the edge of the pool, and a, one of the big cats has a paw like around her ankle. <laughs> uh, and there's another one where one is just like kind of nomming on her head. Uh, and oh, it's, it's so amazing! I yeah. love, I like, I absolutely love that Hollywood rich and ins- pure insanity. <laughs> just like. <laughs> 
That's such a like cocainey idea. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Like, what if we just lived with a tiger? <laughs> but not just a tiger. Like this was a bunch of tigers. <laughs> that's that's different level of cocaine insanity. Like only the was, late seventies could have brought this to us. I was at the San Diego Zoo about five years ago, and my. The zoo is kind of bummy out now, and San Diego Zoo is a really, really nice facility, though, so I was lucky to have that growing up. But there was a Tiger River exhibit, and the tiger was right next to the glass. And seeing its forearms, which were the size of my thighs, mm-hmm. my thick thighs, <laughs> it changed it just I, it, nothing quite the perspective of how big they were yeah. never quite made sense until I saw that and it was just gnawing on a bone or something and seeing just the size of it and the 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 claws that are the size of my face the the paws and everything yeah it it really opened my eyes to like how fucking terrifying big cats are and I think about e- that even if they do love you yeah. one mistake with them <laughs> oh, yeah. and it's over yeah, it's just one one playful swipe and you're and you're gone. I think about that every time we play with our cats. We have two cats and like yeah, if they were just really big, we would be dead <laughs> immediately. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh I just searched in my in my photos um one of the first vacations Elizabeth and I took was to Florence, Alabama, uh that area and like their school has a large uh lion enclosure. Um, and she was like, we went down, uh, to basically like hang out for the weekend and see, she took me to Frank Lloyd Wright house and she thought I'd like to see these lions, which I totally did. Like you get real up close with them. Um, but the amusing thing is when I searched my photos for lions, uh, three pictures of my own dog came up. (laughs) (laughs) Of baby? Yes. (laughs) I saw her go by earlier. She is a little bit lionish. Yeah, she's she's got some liony qualities. Does she have like a, a mane, like a? She gets a little like fluffed around her neck, but she's also like a hundred pounds and kind of lanky, Aww. like that. So okay, speaking guys, of a hundred have... pound lanky lioness, oh, yeah. can we talk about <laughs> Helen Hunt? <laughs> As <She's>... a kid, <laughs> I didn't see it. Watching this movie now, I haven't seen this in mm, 20 years, probably. Ellen Hunt was, she had it going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Smoke show. Total so, smoke Oh my show. God. <laughs> I was very distracted. And it was just the perfect hairdo, mm-hmm. tank top mm-hmm. character for her, where poor Melissa, Bill, Bill, Bill's new wife, oh, I have so did much- not stand a chance. Yeah, although she was also she's also a smoke show, but yeah, the there were, I feel like the whole cast was just like have a crush on everyone in the cast. <laughs> oh, entirely. Jamie Gertz, who plays <laughs> Melissa, was star in The Lost Boys. Um, oh, I had no idea. That, yes, that's and, ringing so many bells in my head now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my she's god. She's the one who who gets uh. What's his name? She's the love interest, the hottie, yes. hottie patati. Yes. <laughs> yeah, her and Laddie. He wants to take care of Laddie, and yeah, uh, yeah, and she's all um, looking like she lives in a caravan and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in this movie, and 
the funny thing is, and you can make fun of me if you if you wish. Um, one of our nightly rituals now that we're all out of uh, Great British Bake Off and Great Canadian Bake Off is we watch mm-hmm. Mad About You um, almost every <laughs> night. <laughs> so I've been on the Helen Hunt hype train for months now because she is so sweet and cute and charming, like all yeah. the time. And, you know, totally pulls more than her weight in that show. Who's, who's the uh, Josh, other... I'm sorry. I'm just picturing there's an episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza fights so hard for Susan to agree to marry him. Uh-huh. And then she does. And then the whole idea of her being in his life constantly starts to weigh in and like yeah, dawn yeah, on yeah. him. And he wants to go out with Jerry, and she's like, no, we're watching Mad About You tonight. <laughs> and the, the capper ep- of the episode is just the two of them lying in bed, and listening to the intro to Mad About You, and George has this look of existential dread on his face. Who's the other, who's the other actor in Mad About You? Uh, Paul, Paul Reiser. Reiser. Oh, Paul Reiser. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen one episode of that, but I will, I'll check it out. It, that is, uh, it was a show that I loved. Like, I yeah. was, I'm not even there yet, but I was a 50 year old man long before my time and loved <laughs> listening to like jazz and watching old black and white movies. And there's a lot <laughs> of that sewn throughout this show. Plus, the fact that in the show, Paul Reiser is a filmmaker, and I have no doubt that it impressed on my young brain that it was a career that I could actually follow. And this was, was that her, her breakout role? And then she, and then she started in movies or was this, was Mad About You after she, what was her? I think so. Cause Mad About You was before this. Um, he had been doing stand up for a long time. Um, and of course was in aliens, uh, yeah, and, the... uh, stuff like diner. Um, but Mad About yeah. You started like early 90s, 91 or 92. So this oh, okay. is like four or five years into that. So yeah, this was like Helen Hunt's like very, yeah, she was like in her prime in like the 90s. Um, yeah. Just, and, just in like everything. She was in, in a lot of stuff. And, yeah. And this was when, you know, you didn't cross those lines too much between TV and movies. This was when people had first started kind of doing that. Yeah. So. Speaking of aliens, Stephen, do you have a favorite Bill Paxton character or performance? Oh, um, man, I don't know. I think of him in Weird Science a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, okay, I've never... Is that, is that the Val Kilmer one? Yeah. Well, no. Um, no, no. no that is real genius. See, I get I these two movies confused, and I have not seen... I think I've seen scenes of each of them, but right. never seen either of them entirely. And they have completely the same kind of vibe. Like, they were both trying to do very similar things, mm-hmm. too. Um, but Weird Science is one when um, the two teenagers bring... What is it? Like, basically a Barbie doll to life? And they, like, <laughs> like generate this computer model of... Yeah, of... <laughs> Of, uh, the perfect woman. Yeah. And Who's then, the actress? I want to look at look. Um, She's great. LeBrock? Is it? It's Kelly something. She's in a lot of stuff, that too. Sound correct? Um, it seems like it might be. She's she's one of those Kelly LeBrock types if she's not Kelly yes, LeBrock it's, herself. It's definitely, yeah, it's Kelly LeBrock. Okay. Confer- confirmed. <laughs> but Bill Paxton is in that. 
in a really early role. And he, through the magic of computing or like, she's basically like a genie, right? She kind of, <laughs> she makes yes. stuff happen for them. And Bill Paxson gets turned into like a toad man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> he's like a giant sort of like turd toad. But even before that, he's really cartoonish. Creature. He's like, he's the one teenager's brother. And he's like a drill sergeant for some reason. And he's really awful to his he's brother. He's got some right? good, good one-liners yeah. in that too. Yeah. He just Ooh, calls you, his brother stuff. Have you all seen Edge of Tomorrow? Tom Cruise movie? No. no I haven't seen that. Ooh, Bill Paxton's in that and he's fucking phenomenal in that movie. He's a drill sergeant and he's so goddamn funny. He steals the show. Oh, definitely check nice. that out. Josh, have you yeah. seen that? I have not. I have not seen. Oh my god! Live, die, repeat. <laughs> what are you guys? <laughs> Edge of tom- Edge of Tomorrow. Josh, P- going what? on my going on my two watch list. Don't call it that. It's not. That's not what it's called. No, live, die, repeat. They. That was the name of the. <laughs> I think the book that it was based on. No, the book was called All You Need Is Kill, and okay. I read it. I'm okay. an expert on this topic. Thank you. You thank didn't you. know. You just stumbled into my dungeon, <laughs> did you? <laughs> All You Need Is Kill is such a good title. It is. I know. They should have just kept that one. Edge of Tomorrow kicks ass. You guys are really missing out. That It might work as a Stephen and Virginia movie. It's kind of twister-ish. It's very fun, and it's big spectacle. Little nice. sci-fi. Oh, I'm looking at the poster now. It does say Live, Die, Repeat on the, on the poster here. I know. They, <laughs> they did. It's like they didn't change the title of the movie, but upon they tried releasing to. it for stream... They put that as like the uh, on the poster. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Speaking of the title, did anybody notice in Twister that the actual title sequence is a completely different font than the one that they went with for the cover of the movie and all the all the ads and the posters? I didn't until just now. It's yeah. very blocky. Sta- it's very blocky. Yeah. And I'm, lo- I'm looking at the poster right now. Yeah. And the poster's font is perfect. Right. Oh, yes. It makes uh, more sense as, as a, you know, for a twister. I was, I was looking up because I was curious about it. And I did find an article with the designer of the title sequence. And it was a very conscious decision. Um, choosing that font. Do I still have it up? Uh, the the blocky font, the blocky font, right? Let me dig into my history. So here. so the other font existed, and he. I don't know. I don't know at she... what point in production that it the the title sequence was designed and filmed, but the the one designer based that blocky font on. Uh, it's Helvetica extended bold and black. <laughs> uh, it's why? based on the work of uh, Eugene Gomringer, a poet, a concrete poet, concrete poetry. That's what it says. But I just thought, I, I noticed that immediately, huh. and I really was curious as to why that happened. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care for the blocky font. It's kind of, I don't know what to think about it. It's kind of jarring when yeah. I'm I'm really expecting that 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 um, real thin, uh, handwritten like kind of looks like a marker or some sort of brush pen twister. 
But this one, sort of <laughs> it seems more like Twister. Twister. That's. I think yeah. it fits in. Uh, of course, this is because I watched the new movie, the Michael Bay movie Ambulance, and then Twister, and then Con Air, all back to back. So that blocky font f- fits in that Bay Bruckheimer world. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like it's of that, uh, like there's a blockbuster action thing that they're maybe trying to kind of emulate. Like that was the classy yeah. look at the time. Yeah. Virginia, have you seen Frailty? Yes. That, yes, that's a wild that's movie. Very, that's a very good Bill Paxton. Uh, I love Bill Paxton. Yeah, it's one I, of my favorites. And and you said before something about like Bill Paxton being a cartoon, and I think Bill Paxton's one of my favorite cartoon actors. But seeing him in Frailty, rein it in and do something different. Yeah. Uh, it he he had a lot of gear or a lot of range that he could have gone to. I have. I, um... I miss Bill a lot. I was I was so sad that he died so young, and it was yeah. some. He had surgery on something that that went wrong something like that it, it it's yeah. a bummer all right r.i.p uh i think i would have to go with a simple plan bill paxton uh oh that's yeah. that's a good one as, as a as a tortured family man i like that one um i have i'm i just like love the bills bill paxton and bill pullman and mm-hmm. there was there was like a time there where i got them confused <laughs> But then I realized that they're very different and I still and love them both very, very much. Um, but they're in a movie together and it's the only movie they did together and it's called Brain Damn It or Brain Dead. And it's unfortunately really, really terrible. Um, but it's still fun to see them in a movie together. I I personally do suffer from the Pullman Paxton affliction. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they're both named Bill. It's <laughs> Yeah. I also suffer from similar syndrome with rugs and carpets. <laughs> wait, what do you wait, what wait a second? Every mean? time before I talk about a rug or a carpet, I have to remind myself Wait, what's the okay, difference? Okay, carpets are carpets are permanent and are like attached to the floor. In rugs you can move them around. Oh is that is it is that canon in in life? <laughs> is that real? In my head. <laughs> so I, I feel probably like you, I wouldn't feel like, base any reality on it. I feel like funny. they should be those should be interchangeable. I thought you were about to explain the construction of either because it's <laughs> it it seems like it could go that way too. Like my my guess was going to be that rugs were uh woven mm. and and like sort of um you know front and back basically like a one piece and then carpet kind of has this uh there's a definite um bottom side and it's sort of like constructed a little differently like there's almost like a a a, a base <laughs> like a board and then there's carpet that's like little bits are woven is, into it is that canon i don't know okay bless you for, bless you for taking my <laughs> bullshit seriously yeah. okay but now this that throws me off because i feel like there's more options for rugs. Have you guys heard of something called the Ruggables? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Which it sounds like a children's programming, but yeah, it is it not. Yes. Um, it is. Uh, my my lovely bride got served a bunch of ads because she's constantly looking for ways to uh, make our house better. Bless her heart. Um, <laughs> it, it's, you know, I, I buy 
niche uh, t-shirts from small manufacturers and <laughs> and she buys us furniture and things <laughs> like an adult well you, but, you need both you need both yes it's, good, it's, all, it's all about balance yes um but there's this thing called ruggables which consists of a velcro mat that you lay down and then you can have different like patterned things that go on top that are then washable um and so wait it's more, a minute that just like, sounds like a rug <laughs> But it's very, it's a lot smaller, like it's a lot thinner and you can throw it in the washing machine. We've got one that's like, like eight feet long or something. And I think you can get them kind of cut to any, any length. Um, uh, and they're stitched up on the sides. Uh, so it has the backing when you put it on the Velcro thing, but it's not all that heaviness going into your washer then. Oh, I see. They're just like easier, much easier to clean and like, yeah, it's it's like stuff. It's like getting a duvet cover for your duvet type of thing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. I'm going to check this out. Right. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cool. They have some really cool ones that I like that are like almost Southwestern themed, but it's actually Star Wars hidden in. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. Yep. I think I've seen stuff. Yeah. A lot of like sweaters do that. Like yes. sweaters. Yeah. They're very fun. Or, or like, yeah. But you speaking... better believe I'm clipping that and sending that shit to <laughs> Ruggables. <laughs> Sponsor us. Yes. Listen to time. this. That would be so Listen niche. <laughs> speaking of speaking of rugs, uh, the writers of of uh, Twister. Um, you like that segue? Huh? It does beautiful. Uh, <laughs> this show I did, I did is, really quick. is nothing without its beautiful segues and transitions. Are you tired of um, your rugs flying away because of Twister? <laughs> <laughs> The writers of Twister um, were, so I was looking at, I was like, oh, Michael Crichton. And then I thought, is this based off of a Michael Crichton book? But it's not. It's based off of something like a 10 page, um, a 10 page script, I think, but then rewritten by Michael Crichton and Anne-Marie Martin. And I looked up Anne-Marie Martin and it turns out they were married, but she's in Prom Night and uncredited in Halloween 2, which was, I got really excited oh, about. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. I was just like, oh, what else did she do? And she was she was an actress in all these sort of uh, random horror films. Um, I think, I they're, think I've they're only seen now, but... what is it? Hello Mary Lou Prom, Prom Night, Night Two. Two. Yeah, that's the I think that's one. the one I've seen because of Joe Bob Briggs during quarantine. Oh yeah, that's on my to watch. I I don't really need to see that one. I love the first one. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, but so, I thought that uh, was neat. Neat. All these connections. Speed. And or I'm sorry, uh, Twister. Also speed. Also speed. <laughs> right. So to set up a little plot here, we got Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. We're married. Bill Paxton's now going to remarry. Um, so he goes to get the divorce papers signed, and then we have the whole Dorothy thing. And they're trying. I I, I like that the stakes of this movie are not. We're not fighting. Uh, twisters. We're not fighting tornadoes. We're not even trying to prevent them. We mm. just want to give people five to ten minutes more warning. Yeah. And that's it. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I think that's really cool because that's, that's what science does. Science doesn't, like, cure things overnight. It, you just you chip away at it. And so I, yeah. I like the scale of this movie and the stakes that are attached to it. And we're just trying to get measuring devices sucked up into a tornado. And that's it. There's no, like bigger thing or fight or yeah conspiracy it's it's kind of nice it's very like it's realistic and 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 down to earth and yeah just a little bit of, of rival down rivalry. to earth chun <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> the the twister touches like the, the earth. much like the twister. Yeah. Um there's a little <laughs> bit of rivalry with the with the competing scientist teams. Um, which is yeah. my which beloved is Carrie it's like, Yeah, what do you think of Carrie Elvis in this? It's amazing. He's he's so good. He's always so good. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great asshole. Oh, yes. he's so great. Do you love to hate him in this movie? Virginia pointed out um when they're doing the little press conference, which I don't know why there would be a, a press conference, but <laughs> right. he was introducing for, for their, their own version of Dorothy and, and Virginia's like, oh, they're square. <laughs> they're, they're not round. They're just square sensors, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah. Theirs is obviously shittier because it's they're little cubes instead of like, you know, uh, a little more evil. Yeah, they're more evil. And obviously, like squares or cute. I, I'm just now realizing that they're actually cubes instead of squares, but I said squares. But uh, how hard it would be to get those to fly as opposed to something that's round and air, like more aerodynamic. And that's why they're bad and evil, because they're not as good scientists. <laughs> they're also, <laughs> do you want to be on the team that has cool pickup trucks and RVs? Or do you yeah. want to be on the minivan team with all the other <laughs> yeah. soccer moms? The evil... <laughs> synchronized. Evil secret, like, uh, FBI vans. <laughs> the, also, uh, yeah. poor... Uh, what's his driver's name? They say his name at one point. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That poor guy, he gets... Eddie. There's Eddie. There's not much death in this movie. But Man. Eddie yeah. gets annihilated <laughs> at the end of this thing. Yeah, we were both really upset at that. I knew it was coming, and I was it was still very jarring. It's just I so did not remember Eddie getting There's... scaffolding, rifled <laughs> yeah. through his entire torso. Just completely impaled and then blown up. There's not a lot of lead up to it either. Mm. They just sort of they realize Within a very short amount of time, oh, it's going to turn on them. That the twister's coming, and then it's just boom. And there's no yeah. like music cues. <laughs> it's just <laughs> through the window, and then that's it. And then they blow up too. They get picked would... up and they explode. It's a double death for this poor <laughs> like driver guy that just wanted to turn around. Yeah, yeah. And he's just the whole time he's questioning stuff, and it's like, well, this is what you get for not following your gut. And it's like, well, why, why couldn't it would make more sense for Carrie Ells to be skewered by the <laughs> impaled by the giant scaffolding? Yeah. Was... Or I, yeah, I think, I think I would have liked it had Eddie pulled over and been like, "You go on," and or whatever, and then Carrie Ellis jumps behind the wheel. Oh, yeah. And then you would get kind of more of like that satisfying ego death of an asshole character. Yeah. Poor Eddie. Poor one out Poor for Eddie. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, I wanted to talk about the psychiatrist, uh, Melissa. Mm-hmm. So, Melissa, the for years and years and years, I kept thinking that she was calling her psychiatrist throughout the whole thing. Um, that was my my memory of her, and I kept telling Stephen like, um, "Oh, I relate to her the most. I would be freaking out and and calling my my therapist." <laughs> and and it turns out this whole time she's the psychiatrist. I completely forgot that, and I and I think it's because and so people were constantly calling her, you know, for help while she's in the middle of all this. And I realized that like, oh, I probably thought that because she is like thrown into this stuff and is just like forced around and 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 is freaking out the whole time so i just assumed it was her you know my memory was that 
she was calling her her psychiatrist to tell them like all the stuff that's happening to her and i i also like i really felt for her this time around um and that i i feel like she was like this vehicle of truth for the film and is sort of a, the audience's guide like they have to explain to her all of the stuff because the audience audience also needs to be like needs explained like what is what is dorothy what why do you why are you guys doing this and they're just so like mean to her <laughs> and then i love that it it was just, like very realistic and i think very like uh um because she's a psychiatrist she really understands and she just at some point is like all right well i'm gonna go <laughs> you, you, you guys think you guys can uh take over from here i'm gonna get out of here and go live my life and i was just like yes yes go do that girl like get out of yeah. here they are not <laughs> they're just this, just is respecting breakup, you <laughs> is their breakup near the end of this movie the cleanest breakup in the history of the universe yes these people and I love it. were it's engaged so good. to be wed <laughs> and they are both walking away feeling like they won somehow yeah. yes yes i thought uh, yeah I, I it's a it's yeah <laughs> right off the bat though it's so telling that like bill and his uh melissa show up and he's like immediately um you hang out with Dusty. I'm going to jump in the car and go on an adventure with my sexy ex-wife. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Not yet ex-wife. Yeah. Still technically wife. Yeah. How cool is Double. that That yellow Jeep truck that they have at the start of this thing? Oh, yes. God, that's a cool car. And then, um, yeah, just like all of the... It, I, for, there's so many parts that I had forgotten, like when they get... They get stuck so many times, the two of them, Bill, <laughs> Bill Paxton. He's a shitty driver. <laughs> and What's they just with, keep okay, getting stuck first, in the middle of a tornado. This first tornado where they're like, they're stuck in a farm ditch and he's trying to get out and he can't. So he just like drives straight into a wooden pillar of a bridge. Like the car has no brakes. <laughs> what do you, you think of this scene where they, I thought it was so funny that they're hanging out, hiding underneath the bridge. And then Helen Hunt is like, she's trying to crawl into the tornado, be like, I want to see, I need to see it. I'm just like, what are you doing? It's sort of like, I guess, trying to build her character a little more of, she's a little insane and just is desperate, so desperate to, to get these extra 10 minutes of warning. Uh, I did laugh when the Jeep drops in front of Melissa, who's driving the red truck. And yeah. she freaks out. <laughs> yeah, I we I have a question here on my on my notes is who do you who does everyone most relate to? And for a while I was thinking I most related to Melissa, and then I was like, no, I most relate to priest to the preacher. And then I was like, no, I most relate actually, I think, to um I don't know her the character's name, but the one who has she has glasses and the only other girl in the Oh yes. And the thing, and she just is excited about stuff. I think that would be who I, I think I'm a uh, what's the guy's name from uh, Alan Ruck from Ferris oh, yes. Bueller Rabbit. and from uh, Severance not Severance the show the show with the rich people Succession oh, yeah Succession yeah I think I'm kind of like him because I'm just like you roll the map don't fold the map because then I got a <laughs> crease running through the middle of Wichita <laughs> his name is great Rabbit is such a good Rabbit is a good, yeah. uh, that's a great navigator name, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. I had such a crush on him in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was like such a hunk of, hunk of, hunk of. 
and that <laughs> um who, who steven and uh and joshua who do y'all relate to most of all the twister um can i say that i would most relate to dave perner the lead singer of soul asylum who provided a song for the <laughs> for the movie <laughs> sure nice <laughs> What? That's not an answer. I mean, it doesn't quite count. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean anything to me. Are you a big Soul Asylum fan or something? I have been listening to a lot of Soul Asylum lately, actually. I don't know why. What's their one (laughs) big song? I could not tell you. Uh, Runaway Train was the the, the big first one, yeah. What's the song? On a runaway train. Never coming back. Yeah. There's that one and the one... um, Run away from now, come <laughs> back. No, no, that's not how that happens, Sean. <laughs> what? No, there's isn't there a big isn't... part in that song where he kind of? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, telling wait, you, Sean. Rusted Root is also on the soundtrack. How, okay. Were they? Yes. Sean sang Rusted Root during karaoke. Which song? Virtual reality. Okay, I. I we're living in a no, land of virtual reality. I tried <laughs> listening to their stuff at one point, and I realized I just like send me on my way. Other than that, I I'm not into their like Boulder, Colorado <laughs> hippie jam band vibe. That's not my cup of tea. I loved this soundtrack. Sorry to to, to spin off of your question. Um, Did you like that guitar solo at the end of the throughout the entire credits? Oh, the- what a yeah! That was I left the TV running and walked into the other room, and like four minutes later, I'm like Jesus Christ, this thing's still a ripping, huh? Edward Van Halen. Van Halen. Stephen, who do you most relate to? I think just collectively the the like sub like the B characters in that group. The mm-hmm. supporting tech crew, like everybody like that's just everybody. trying to do their one thing to keep the show going, yeah, and to support, you know, the 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 like VIP all stars <laughs> literally chasing after the tornado, and yeah. and everyone else is just kind of hanging back trying to trying to do their one job really effectively. It's kind of it, it's kind of what I do as a stagehand. Yeah, I was gonna say that goes and AV with. tech, yeah, just like the one the the, the camera guy just trying to do the camera. <laughs> The the They're radar guy important. just trying to do that. <laughs> can I change my answer? No. On Damn it. <laughs> yes, you can change your answer. I change my answer Aunt, like I'm an Aunt Meg. Oh, Aunt oh, Meg. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I think that's the character I'm closest to. In You're all taking honesty, taking care of everyone. Taking care of people. Food. 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 <laughs> Food. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the quote I think of the most, honestly, in my head. Whenever I'm real hungry and there's I'm just food. Food in my head. That yeah, that shot of Philip just made me so happy seeing him chant that. And it was it was definitely like a flashback. I'd forgotten that one. We uh, crave sustenance, says something like that too. <laughs> I think also I might relate to Bill because Bill had this cool idea of making Dorothy, but it took his wife building it to actually make it come true. <laughs> I identify with that. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me you related to Bill because you also threw a bottle of whiskey naked into a tornado. I mean, that, that's just <laughs> Indiana that Saturday night, buddy. <laughs> We've all done that. 
Oh, what about the um? Oh, I love. I absolutely love the drive-through scene, and have kind of a weird story about that. Uh, when I first saw it, I it was a little bit before I got into horror movies, and I had no idea what The Shining was. Um, and so, um, saw that scene, became really obsessed with, um, the scenes of The Shining in you know in the drive-through in the movie Twister, and asked someone i don't remember who i asked but i just remember someone telling me that oh that that's from flowers in the attic and so i watched flowers in the attic which is also like an incredible weird also sort of horror movie um i was like this isn't from the scene in twister <laughs> i don't recognize any of this stuff and then finally uh later down the line um realized it was from the shining and just it really really stuck with me um like every because there's the scene of the shining with the the twins in the hallway bloodied saying you know come join us danny come play with us danny and then there's as the twister's coming up behind the uh the giant you know drive-through theater uh screen um it's jack nicholson's face coming through the wall you know saying here's johnny and then it rips in half it's just so incredible and it just really stuck with me almost more than the actual movie twister <laughs> And I was just really obsessed with trying to find out what that was. And then when I realized it was, I was like, oh, this is The Shining. This was my first exposure to The Shining. And yeah. it scared me because I hated yeah, horror movies so as a scary. kid. I saw, I saw it, the Tim Curry one, when I was a little kid at a sleepover. Mm. And it like fucked me up for a while. And I was so scared. And then I just tried to avoid them at all costs. And so I remember seeing these clips. And even just seeing these little clips as a kid, I was still like freaked out by them, and and it, yeah. it created such in my an idea of my head that I think a lot of people have about horror movies until you get into them, is that they are terrifying and genuinely scary and stuff. And there's like they get such a mythological status mm -hmm. that before I watched The Shining. I believed it was one, I, I thought it was like one of the scariest pieces of art that's ever been created. It, yeah. it had like that kind of build up for me as a kid. And so even just seeing these little clips, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hated yeah. when I would see a trailer for a horror movie mm -hmm. on TV or a little ad for it. And you would catch that three second shot of something super creepy because that three second shot would then live in my head for like hours on end. Yeah, and it and you would just sort of would like fill in the rest, and it would just be so. And it was horrifying. always worse. What always you fill worse. In is always worse. Yeah. 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 And that and that's uh, and that the, thus the the obsession began. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. So and then once I got a feel for it, seeing um, it was like watching the thing and also seeing. The Dawn of the Dead remake in theaters with my friends. It's like those two things happened around the same time, and that's kind of where horror movies took a turn for me. And I realized how much fun they were, and it's a good time. And yeah, and such a cathartic experience, especially for for anxiety uh, folk like myself. It's it's a safe safe way to uh, experiencing some some scary shit. But yeah, I just I love that 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 this is just in the middle of Twister, and and it's <laughs> and it's such an important part of my life now. <laughs> it's cool. I like yeah. this scene, and there's 
Yeah, they were, they were talking before about, you know, the mythology of, like, the F5 tornado at Aunt Meg's house. Oh, yeah, and they all go quiet. And they, Yeah, and, like, there's What's... an acoustic song that stops, and one guy <laughs> says it's, like, the finger of God. It's the finger of God. <laughs> a term that I really liked. Preacher. Um, finger of God. But the, once they get to the theater, I, I love the tension building that you get mm -hmm. at this drive through where picking the shining is brilliant. Yeah. But then you get all the little wind subtleties and the, the TV signal goes out and there's a sound in the soundtrack. It's like the tornado sound, basically, of the sound of the tornado coming. And it's a yeah. very cool little villain piece of music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a, it's like the stalker, the shape, the Yeah. Whatever it is is coming. So that's also kind of why we decided on Twister for our pick, because in the Venn diagram. Oh yeah. I I respond more to um sort of more disaster or a threat in a, a movie that is affecting a, a, a larger amount of people. So whereas in a slasher horror, it's one uh, antagonist killer chasing, you know, a small handful of people. But it's I like really, re I, I get a little freaked out when it's the whole world or it's a whole city or it's, it, it's, we're mm -hmm. all in this together and there's nothing we can do about it. So I do kind of gravitate towards disaster movies, but does Twister count as at least a, a monster movie? It's kind of a combination of both. Yeah. yeah. There's like moments of, of, uh, yeah, like the the stalker, the monster coming to get you and everyone's hiding. Well, this is a total monster scene when Philip Seymour Hoffman runs out and says, it's coming right yeah. for us. It's like yeah. the monster has found us. It's 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 been hunting us and now it's here and we got to hide. Yeah. And it's, and it's also just a total disaster movie, too. Yeah. It's like this nice combination. But there's, an, you know, there's, there's escalation to it. Uh, I appreciate that Twister still has this movement of just a, a complete ramp from the beginning to the end. It gets progressively worse and bigger until you get to sort of the final boss at the end. <laughs> the 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 increased pace and the increased size of the Twisters, it's really satisfying. Yeah, this mm. movie just kind of gets better and better and better as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize I, how, like, uh, pardon the pun, cyclical the movie was, <laughs> though, of, like, we have an emotion beat, we have uh, an, an action beat of everyone kind of running away, then we have, like, the terror of them hiding from the storm, and, like, that cycle just happens, like, four times throughout the movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It does, and, like, each Dorothy gets knocked out. One by a telephone pole falling over, one by a log flying down the highway. Like, it, yeah, things escalate, but there's a lot of repetition here. Uh, but I don't mind it because, again, in, in just as far as like the field of science, failure is always an option because you got to keep going forward and keep trying and trying and trying, and that's it's realistic. I love I love that they just decide and they don't tell the audience beforehand that they just decide to drive the truck into the twister because it's would be heavy enough mm -hmm. and they're like <laughs> oh that's what they're going to do okay and they just jump out of the truck and 
And that's so the, what works. One thing that stuck with me from this movie, just a random thing, when they're hiding from the tornado at the drive-thru, and that one guy grabs the, the hose and he's all stoked, mm. and then he takes a domer, of, <laughs> like a mm-hmm. flying hubcap, oh, hitting him yeah. square in the forehead. That mm. would fuck you up so bad. Ugh. Like, yeah. he would need, like, 55 stitches across his forehead if he did that. And, like, the, the look of shock on his face. It's so and then being, scary. And then being held by Helen Hunt. Mm. That's, that's all right. It made me... That, <laughs> that actually made me think of, um, like, more modern movies, like Snakes on the Plane or, um, like, disaster movies where, like... I feel like if this was made in like 2015 or or something, it would be like they would have chopped his head in half or it would have been like so much more gruesome and like gratuitous. And the fact that it's just like this, like kind of a little more realistic, like he just gets like cut and it's fucked, fucks him up. But it's not like this, like in really gross out, like I was a little scared because I like didn't quite remember that part. And it's almost more freaky, actually, that it's just this, like, slice across ugh, is his head. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they, what, like, they could have done. I guess I'm thinking of Final Destination, actually, of, like, <laughs> just, like, all of the horrible shit that could happen. And I guess that does happen to poor Eddie. Oh, poor, poor yeah, Eddie. Eddie, <laughs> you say Eddie. Eddie and Jonah kind of get Final Destination at the end of this thing. Yeah. yeah. And spoiler alert for Hurricane Heist. They saw that flying hubcap, and they were mm. like, "That was that was a cool shot. That was a cool gag. Let's make an entire sequence out of it." Oh, does it just <laughs> slice uh, slice everyone's heads off? And bodies no, they and they <laughs> like throw shit into the wind there's and a, use it as a weapon. <laughs> so they're just like throwing <laughs> random shit, and then the wind takes like, <laughs> we gotta watch it. It's crazy. The, the bad <laughs> guys are fun. shooting guns. The good guys are throwing hubcaps and like. <laughs> rims and stuff it's amazing um, that sounds great uh, how cool is aunt meg's all of her wind art and wind music oh, instruments yeah. i love all that shit i think it's so cool and that's how they get the idea to to attach little little wings yeah. <laughs> uh, so meg's house gets destroyed afterward and that dog that's a good dog. Oh, That's yes. a good boy. That's a good boy hanging out there waiting by her side. The shot, I don't know why, but the shot of Bill Paxton carrying that dog out of the window, <laughs> it just looked like he was holding like a giant golden seal. And it just, it just it really made me laugh with that shot. Did everyone appreciate the hydraulics on that house set? When... Oh my gosh. Okay, so much of this so feels cool. like... um. A ride at yes at um mm-hmm. f- fuck what's the what's the place called the movie place oh Universal Studios yes this feels like a Universal Studios ride especially yeah. the tension that we have of a TV hanging by an electric <laughs> yeah. uh, by the cable and like that's <laughs> that's like our big scary moment inside this house as it's collapsing is like this TV might fall on us it just it mm. was very funny and goofy yeah that would be a perfect perfect ride i think there was a twisters actually a friend of mine was telling me there there was a twister ride at universal studios um but she said it was just basically a sort of like a dark ride where you sit and she doesn't quite remember it but i think it just was like a screen of stuff flying around um and maybe some like air 
but it would be a great ride. That would be a this great This reminded ride, me of like... the backdraft ride. Hmm. There was a backdraft ride? Yeah, what did they do? Oh, yeah. What did it's they like a do? full fire show kind of thing. Ooh, did the ch- chairs shake or anything? or like? Well, pieces of the stage would fall and stuff, uh... and barrels would topple over. You can see a YouTube video of it. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I meant to look at the Twister one. Um, so Aunt Meg is a badass. I love that she's like, I'm fine. Go on, go on. Yeah. The scene in the ambulance, man, uh, Helen Hunt kills that scene. And so does Philip Seymour Hoffman when he shows up to tell her, like, I don't, I don't even know if you want to hear this. There's, there's an F5. And that whole scene, I thought both of them were acting their asses off. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of that sequence, uh, Aunt Meg is reading Dante's Inferno. <laughs> I recognize that cover because I used to have that edition of it. And I'm like, Aunt Meg is just the coolest. She <laughs> might be the best part of this movie. That's not a tornado. I would agree with that. Yeah, she's great. I really wanted the food looked so good that they were that they cooked the biscuits mm-hmm. and the mashed potatoes. Her, her gravy is a food group of, in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm looking. It looks like the Twister ride at the Universal Studios Orlando, Florida, at least. It's like a walkthrough. And it's the scene from the. A scene from the. Um, the drive through. That's cool. Hmm. Or are they sitting? It's kind of hard to tell. Um, man, I love I love rides like that. Just like. Anywho, I would have loved I haven't to go been on to a, a Twister a, ride. I haven't been to a theme park in years. Yeah, same here. It's been too long. The um, I just want to give a quick shout out to um, also uh, let's see where is he? Well, one Jeremy Davies, who is Brian. Um, he plays Private Toffler and Ravenous, and he's Brian. He's like the very quiet, quiet guy. Um, oh yeah, who... he doesn't get to do much, but he does have. Is he the guy that tries to hide in? Like the, yeah, the, the passenger foot space of the truck. Yeah, and he yeah, he that gets... guy has terrible survival instincts. Helen, Helen, um, rescues him, um, and then Alan, um, who is played by Sean Whalen, who's in People Under the Stairs. I thought that was cool. Oh yeah, um, God, what else was he in that I was just um, I think he's an idle hands of all things. Uh, oh. That's such a great movie. <laughs> I was annoyed I didn't spot Jake Busey. I saw his name in the credits after the movie. I was like, damn it, I missed him? Who Who is Jake Busey? Which... Mobile lab technician. Oh. So he must be a uh, a minivan guy. One of the yeah. bad guys. Up there with uh, Anthony Rapp, which, like, that's weird to see him in something that's not a musical. Uh, and then... Joey Slotnick, the curly-haired dude who uh, seems to be really good friends with Dusty, uh, they fool around a lot. Um, oh, I yeah. totally remember that guy from like '90s sitcoms at the time. Yeah, uh, mm. it, everyone on screen in this is somebody. You're like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> that guy. It's it's one of those guys. It's so good. So I recognize Joey Slotnick from something and i'm i cannot tell you what they're looking at his entire imdb 
Editor's note, he's the guy in the bathroom Jim and Pam walk into in the office when they're checking out a preschool. But every, yeah, I recognize everyone in this movie. Uh, this next bit here, as we're driving to the F5, they figure out the can thing. I fucking love montages. <laughs> Any kind of like preparation montage like this. I always go back to the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves one Ooh, where there's smelting arrowheads and that sort of stuff <laughs> is one of my favorites. But this one is really good, especially because we get that big like badass montage music that just like pumps you up for a, a fight at the end. And yeah. we got all of our soda cans and we're cutting them. And the that one lady with the glasses, her hands are all bloody. And it just, oh, yeah. this is badass. I love it. <laughs> love it. I always think of the, uh, what is it? Ernest goes to camp <laughs> montage <laughs> at the end the, when they're prepping for the evil camp to take. I don't remember the, the plot of that movie, but it does have a great, like, they're strapping logs to the front of the bus and all this kind of craziness. So after this, this is a one Dorothy gets taken out by the log and the truck gets stuck on the log. That fuel truck is sliding towards them. Oh, yeah. uh, just such a like such huge escalation at the end of this. Everything gets so big. Uh, then we get Jonah and his buddy and the whole Jonas and the whole thing there with they die. I swear there's one shot of this where they had to swap out the golden retriever and there's just like a completely different golden retriever <laughs> in the RV with them. And it looked like way older dog with a white face. And I only spotted it in one shot, but it was like, like I pointed at the TV. That reminded me there, there was a shot of earlier in the movie where uh, there's, you don't see the dog at all until like they're all at, um, the house eating and then you don't see the dog and when they're leaving the dog comes out and it just mm -hmm. looks like the dog is just like hey guys what's going on what happened <laughs> who are you all you people and it just sort of pops out of nowhere uh when helen calls debris on the radio and it's like combines and harvesters <laughs> falling and then it bills like debris uh I, I i just loved that line how cool is the driving the, the through cow. the house gag yeah oh, that, so the fun. house that rolls oh, onto yeah. the highway that's so cool i forgot about this bit driving up the stairs <laughs> that are now lying down at a parallel with the ground i don't know it's yeah, so great. goofy so cool that actually reminds me of another uh amusement park theme park ride um i think there was uh one of these at dutch wonderland out out in Lancaster, PA, um, where you really just sit inside of a house and then the whole house rotates around you like a big barrel. And it's just oh, kind of ooh. a novelty sounds fun. ride where you're just amazed. Ooh, it's so, yeah. it's so wild. And <laughs> the house is spinning around us. And that's pretty much it. That's what I remember of it. But it looks cool from the outside and the inside because everything's bolted to the walls. That would feel very trippy. Yeah. Just sit in a house and then just have the entire thing rotate around you. Yeah. And that's in so many movies, too. That the, the one dancing movie with Fred Astaire. Yeah. And then in mm -hmm. Nightmare, on El Nightmare on Elm Street with the, the blood. Um, oh, was that how they did the blood for that? The For the first scene, the first kill. Um, that's Johnny. 
Johnny Not, Depp? I think they, no, you, the, it's the, I'm forgetting her name. Yeah. Um, Tina's death where she's crawling up the wall and. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. They, that's like a, they use this spinning, spinning room technique that, yeah, it's, it's originally was from a Fred Astaire movie, right? Of he's sort of dancing up the walls and onto the ceiling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's fun, fun to think they reused it for such a <laughs> badass scene. And <laughs> for what would Fred Astaire think? Huh? <laughs> uh, so they go through the cornfield and they send the truck into the thing, the tornado. <laughs> I can't think it's of the so... word tornado. <laughs> <laughs> the big, big spinny thing. Dorothy's flying. And it's so satisfying. Uh, it's so satisfying. And them getting the data and the whole science team like being so excited and freaking out. And Philip Seymour Hoffman yelling, she's do flying, Dorothy's flying. Uh, just puts a big <laughs> smile on my face. And then... The fact that that the the her the twister's now like now's my chance to kill Helen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get her in that and it just turns on a dime and starts chasing them. And uh, the fact that we end up in uh, the 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 blade building with all the scythes and everything. Oh my god, it's like, amazing! Oh god, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because. They're like, who are these people? And I was like, uh, farmers? Yeah. <laughs> they just have like scythes and mowers and shit, like all very normal kind of stuff, but they pretend it's like the... it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. Yeah, it's not the Sawyer family. It's not the... <laughs> and they come out at the end and they just look like this nice family, but they're probably our cannibals. Also, they're, they grow corn and sunflowers. Yes. Sunflower farm. I thought that was cool. Oh. I, even if that was just so that way we can have cool sunflowers in the wind at the end of this movie. Mm. I, I love a field of sunflowers. That's, I'd yeah. see a, a lot of that in Indiana, which uh, growing up in, I mean, it's not that different from what we see in the movie. And we had a lot of tornadoes like the tornadoes. I wanted to check everyone's temperature on this. Tornadoes are terrifying, right? Like, this movie's kind of exciting, but existentially, they are too powerful to exist and freak my brain out. Yeah. Yeah, ag agreed. Okay. <laughs> I still would like to see one in person, though, and it might be a little bit because of this movie, uh, <laughs> but I've watched a few actual storm chasing shows. Uh, and I've, that's really fascinating. Uh, I don't know. It just I, I've I've had dreams of about tornadoes and seeing them and experiencing it, and it just it's one of those things where I I would like to be terrified, but I know they're really dangerous. There's been a, moments where I've I've come into the room and I see Stephen watching tornado chasing videos, and I get a little worried, <laughs> and then he's like, oh oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. <laughs> no, I he's a secret tornado chaser. I wasn't watching storm chasers. <laughs> my former creative director was obsessed with uh, storm chasing, and she wanted us to take off um, like two weeks from our job during storm season and go storm chasing. Oh wow! Whoa! Yeah, she was like writing up proposals to get money, and she's like, "Okay, well." 
she she was sending me gear lists of like to check over. And I'm like, Whoa. I I don't want to do this. It's horrifying. I'd do it. It, it. This looks really fun to me. I think tornadoes. If I had a basement, I wouldn't be as afraid of a tornado. In the house that I'm currently in, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> I'd be I'd be fucked if there was tornadoes in California. <laughs> I was but gonna have, I was gonna ask. We have I earthquakes, but the uh, people seem to make a way bigger deal out of earthquakes and like the threat that they. I don't know. Yeah, I, think, I hear more. I feel like you hear more about earthquakes than you do tornadoes for some reason. And earthquakes are mostly just kind of a kind of a novelty for the most part, honestly, or just something that kind of shakes you a little bit, and you then you talk about it with your friends for an hour, and then that's about it. We had um two two earthquakes here in Philadelphia, which was very very odd, and recently we had a a tornado warning, which. I'm not as used to it as as Stephen, but I I remember we had one and he, we like woke I woke him up in the middle of the night and I was like ah oh, Stephen there's a tornado warning we have to get to the basement and uh and you were just sort of like what is what <laughs> it's, it's fine <laughs> yeah well it gets terrifying now that they have that text SMS system yeah it was a text alert yeah so they wake everybody up it's, it's the same with the amber alerts and it doesn't matter if it's three in the morning your phone goes ring, ring and then it's, <laughs> it's sometimes jarring. I know mine reads it in the voice and it's, and it's tornado like, warning yeah, yeah. get like, to the basement now it's we had here in Nashville right before um the the dreaded coronavirus hit uh we had an outbreak. The, the of, what? The what thing you... that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> Remember when it was called the novel coronavirus? Yes. I almost said <laughs> a almost long time novel. ago. Um, but we had a uh, an evening in early March, and we slept through it here, but there was uh, F3 and F4 tornadoes that hit like the other side of Nashville. And like... Oh. 20 or 25 people got killed. Um, oh, almost almost 100,000 people were without power for days. And there is still stuff that has not been rebuilt since then. Uh, if you drive through East Nashville, it was insane. Because it's one thing where I grew up, like, it was like the movie, right? There's these huge expanses of farmland and stuff. Um, and occasionally it would come across a house, but you could go through and see your tornado's path, like through a field and it didn't damage anything. And you just, Oh, that's wild. But to yeah. see the same thing, like on city blocks where certain houses are just devastated. And then the next block over the things are totally fine. Oh yeah. It's just insane. That's really scary thinking about. I forget about the ending shot of this as the credits roll, where the camera keeps panning back further and further, and you get to trace the tornado's path across the field onto the farm, into the house, and everything. Oh yeah, I was wondering if that that must have been CGI'd, right? Or they probably didn't like or a, maybe mess a matte field. One, I, I don't think they were yeah. doing any matte paintings for this, so yeah, probably CGI. I'm wondering. I'm assuming it's not real, but the the way that they attached themselves you know to the pipe the water pipe if you could do that <laughs> and okay and can, survive? I just, can i just say that 
Bill and uh, what, what's her name? I'm blanking on Joe. Hel- Hel- Bill oh. and Joe. Yeah. <laughs> they've had an emotionally charged day, and it ends with them strapped with leather, soaking wet, having just seen <laughs> the funnel of a tornado. These two are going to have some wild sex here in a minute. <laughs> They're so horned up. <laughs> this, this is like prime time horned up right here. <laughs> Wait, does anyone think that you can survive that, though? I'm really stuck on that. <laughs> okay. This shot really held up for me. First of all, I think the funnel shot, the tornado itself across this movie is is so black in a lot of the scenes mm-hmm. that is just kind of like a swirling darkness, which I yeah. can, I, I forgive him. 96, this movie's way ahead of its time in a lot of ways. This funnel shot with their legs flying up mm. is so, so cool. Could you survive this? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, could you even breathe in this scenario if there's a vacuum force pulling? I don't know. I mean, I would assume like you would die just from debris hitting you, but if there was technically no debris debris um would you could you survive it or would it like ri- i think i'm like picturing like would it rip you and like like well, would it like rip your legs off i feel like it would rip your legs if off you're, if you're anchored that would be anchored, that seems yeah. it, it seems more oh, likely so to me that you would be picked up and then brought back down and then, like slammed unharmed oh. by a tornado then being anchored to something and 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 it I mean, it's it's clearly picking them up, and they're they're upside down, yeah. like something. There's some force trying to bring them up. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know if that would happen in real life, but in movie, in this movie universe of yeah. the of the Twister, it's something is pulling up on them. So it so, seems like it would be a lot of force, and it seems like it would at least, you know, rip off, tug something off. <laughs> yeah, but that 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 they're and anchored. then they wouldn't be horned up. <laughs> It's like, um, <laughs> it would be, yeah, it's like bracing, it's like bracing in a car accident, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. when, when it's what people, oh, so scary. people driving drunks tend to survive the crashes because they, They're more uh, limp. yeah, yeah. And they just kind of go. Bleh. So what you're saying is if we're ever stuck in a tornado, do not strap ourselves to a water pipe and we should just sort of go with it. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm stuck on that. They outran it continuously. Oh, yeah, yes, that too. <laughs> The I like when he says, oh, we'll be fine. This pipe goes down 30 feet and then proceeds to lash them to the pipe with some thin pieces of leather. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm like, I don't think the pipe is your problem here, Bill. <laughs> Not the weak point in the plan. Or their string beanie arms. Of yeah. Flesh, flesh and bone. <laughs> so a tornado. I don't know if you guys grew up with like these tornado facts, but like, um, uh, it can embed a a piece of straw or a piece of hay into a telephone <gasps> pole. Wait, really? Yes. And that. it can like sandblast the side of a building with just the sand and stuff. Okay. Okay. So they wouldn't. Okay. Just the friction from the air <laughs> and the wind. It seems like you would, you would get, I know that's a thing, right? Wind burn. Yeah. Just from, wind burn. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked if one of their shoes had flown off yeah. into, the, into the funnel. Yeah, or foot, or foot. I love that, Virginia, you're imagining that this tornado will draw and quarter you like medieval torture. (laughs) Yes. 
that's what I'm just I'm just thinking of all the most horrible things that could happen and worrying about and worrying about them. <laughs> I'm very much like the uh the Melissa character. I'm just like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> all the all the horrible things that could happen. I, I feel and have like happened. <laughs> the uh I would be holding onto that pipe and then the the storm would start to tug my pants off and I'd let go of the pipe and hold on to my pants and and there I go off into the storm. Just uh, bad still, day to forget your belt. Just just still holding on your onto your pants flying around. Yes, as we <laughs> Well I'm glad those two survived though and everyone survived except for poor Eddie. Poor poor Eddie and Jonas the only two who died. Uh, I, this closing shot. Well, first of all, the, the family from Take Shelter comes out. Have you guys seen Take yes. Shelter? Yes. No. It's a gr- oh, it's a great movie with uh, Michael. Shannon. Michael Shannon. Thank you. Uh, highly recommend it. Just about a guy who's convinced there's a storm coming and he needs to build a storm shelter. It's badass. Oh. Um, Wait, Stephen, did you see it? Oh. But this oh, okay. closing shot where the whole crew is there and the dog is there and everyone's happy and hugging and they're kissing, it feels so wholesome and happy that even as we pan back and show the destruction of this poor little farm and these people who's have their complete livelihood ruined, mm. I can't help but smile and feel good about things. Sean, isn't this the same as the end of the Tremors movie that we watched? Where they uh, blow the shit out of that out of the barn, and uh, everyone hides in the ditch, and then it's like everyone's okay. Yeah, is that pretty the first, much. Is that, that the first same like a zoom out shot that shows you the vast destruction yes. as the credits roll. Also, the guy from Tremors Two is in Con Air. Oh, oh, good call. The guy with the silenced pistol in the airport uh-huh. hangar is the first guy killed in Tremors Two. He's really? the guy that runs He's, on the barrels. With, with his little legs with coming his out little into legs the dangling over the pipe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes together. I never saw tr- the, the second Tremors. I should check it out. Oh, Tremors 2 is so good. It's so good. I love the, fr- the first one. So that'll pretty much wrap us up on Twister. Do either of you have any other notes or anything that you want to say about this movie before we move on? I think I'm... Um... I think that's everything. I think, uh, uh, so what would you give this movie if you were to rate it on a five-star scale? I think a four. I was going to say four as well. Yeah. I'm a four, too. I had, I had a great time watching this. It, it's just great, campy fun with a ton of heart and good characters. And I love Bill Paxton. Helen Hunt's dialed in. Everyone's dialed in. This was just a great time yeah. and really nostalgic too. Josh, how yeah. do you feel? Um, I did. A, I had one more line uh, that I've been waiting to use this entire time, but didn't find the perfect <laughs> spot. So I'm squeezing it in here. Boy, Melissa and Joe's relationship is almost as stormy as the skies. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then I also would give it a four. Um, this really is just like I remember going to the theater to see this movie and it feels like a perfect 
little comforting action movie to watch. I, I really enjoyed it. I gotta say, I like it more, even after having watched it after all this time. I think it holds up, and uh, despite the criticism at the time of having not such a great screenplay and plot and characters, I found them all to be extremely real and relatable, mm-hmm. and I loved all of them, and I loved their little ragtag crew, and I just, I, I just think it came out... Um, in a year for movies that was very fantastic and everything was just big and huge and yeah. uh, including the characters and just, just everything so saturated and huge and, and, and they had huge tornadoes and effects, but you know, it was in, it was, it was a real world with real people. That's, yeah. Uh, I did want to ask Sean, um, he has kind of a bugbear with um, people talking about their emotional issues in the middle of action sequences like (laughs) like come on guys choose your time uh but that's what this whole entire movie is that's the only thing that the movie is is a divorce happening in the middle of chasing tornadoes okay i was gonna say though but this movie does a great job every it seems every disaster movie i just watched moonfall has to have family drama ham-fisted down its throat and this one's nice because it's there, but it's more just the overarching context of why Bill's there, but mm-hmm. it's not ever present. And even his breakup, it's not melodramatic. Yeah. The stuff between Melissa and Joe never gets melodramatic or like too hostile. It's just a very pleasant, happy movie to watch, even if there is that divorce lingering, lingering over everything. I was so happy this held up this well. I I, I really wasn't sure what to expect uh, going on 20 years later, but this one really kicks ass. Agreed. So let's take five minutes here, and then we will be back and talk about Con Air. Let's do it. Sounds good. I'm, I'm getting gonna... a Coke. Thank you guys so, 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 so much for having us. This is so fun. <laughs> I love it, this dubs. one. Yay! Let's see if I can get this to go back up here. Yeah, this is this is super oh, super fun. Thank God. Bless you. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. <laughs> uh, t- third time's a charm. That's. I was telling them that that started near the end of Twister. Oh no! And it wouldn't come out. And then oh, oh I had to I had to run to my window and make eye contact with the sun. <laughs> Remember, that's an eighth of an orgasm you just had. Ah, that, that felt like a quarter, <laughs> honestly. That was, that was a good, very satisfying sneeze. I've been really trying to find a good transition at some point. I thought I might have had one when Josh said, light as a feather, stiff as a board. <laughs> Something about a plane <laughs> being as light as uh, a... Oh God. Well, my mom and I were, were stiff as a board and we went to see this con air. In the theater together. How, but, how, how about that? Because you were so horny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, we're gonna be talking it's, it's, about it's, 1997's Con Air, directed by Simon West, starring Nicolas Cage and a million other heavy hitters. Uh, this was my choice. 
This might be the movie I've seen the most times in my life. I love it. I've loved it since I was a kid. Watching it now, it holds up. It's still just as cheesy and goofy and everything as it always was. Josh, you've never seen this before. How how did this one miss you? So I was trying to figure this out. Um, I was talking with the with the other guys about the fact that I had never seen this. Everyone is like horrified that I had never seen this. They're like, <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah, I've seen so many things, yet this is not one of them. But it should have been prime time for me. Uh, but I think that was the problem. Like this came out in what ninety seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, one the, year after. Yeah, so that was the year I graduated high school. I was really busy, barely graduating. <laughs> I had I had a lot wrapped up in uh, hardly doing any work, um, and but being very pretentious at the same time. So I was watching a lot of I was watching Taxi Driver over and over again. And I think I thought I was too good for movies like this at the time. <laughs> Which is not surprising in the, in the slightest, had, is it? It's I've so funny that when I was, I also went through an 18-year-old taxi driver phase. Uh-huh. And then I had a green, olive green, light canvas cotton jacket or whatever that I wore that I liked because it was a taxi driver kind of jacket. Did you, did you both like have a strong urge to save... A 12-year-old prostitute. <laughs> oh, I definitely was all about, like, I am God's lonely man. And, like, oh, so, oh my yeah. God, I was buying into all of it. <laughs> Watching it as a 35-year-old, I'm like, this is concerning. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> um, can, I, can I play a thing real quick? By yeah, means. absolutely. So, um, the director, Simon West... Also directed something that here I'll, I'll play it for you. This is we're gonna see if this works here. Okay, here we, here we go. So the director of Con Con Air, whose name is Simon West, also directed a little known music video. <laughs> wow! <laughs> he directed this. Um, you know, you, you I, just I got see... Rickrolled, but no, he did actually direct this. I can see notes of Con Air in the recasting <laughs> music video. <laughs> I think his style is there. It's just buried a little. He yeah. kind of does look like an inmate in that shirt. A bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> also, like he's out oh, and in the, the yard. chain link fence behind him? Yeah. Steven, did, in general... Uh, what did you think about the totally unmotivated lighting in this <laughs> in Con Air? I was trying to explain this to Virginia that sometimes I don't connect with movies like purely on the aesthetic atmosphere, and 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 it really doesn't help when it's it just it feels really messy to me. Mm-hmm. This movie is really like dirty and sweaty and everything is like not in the right place. And it's just, it's very strange and it makes me unsettled the whole time. So yeah, the lighting, I I think probably makes that worse. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very shadowy. And it's, I have not noticed 
a single thing. I don't know what you guys are talking about right now. <laughs> this is like blowing my mind. We're talking about the lighting of Con Air. This is not where I thought this was going. <laughs> oh my gosh. From the beginning, it's like when they're in the, the bar and he comes back uh, and meets his wife and Trisha Yearwood is playing. Um, and every shot is designed to look cool as a shot, mm-hmm. like in and of itself. But they don't hang together so much as like a logical sequence of events. <laughs> and it's just like it's it's very much the Michael Bay, um, Jerry yes. Bruckheimer school of doing this stuff of like each moment looks badass, but it like really when but they it do, waters everything down. Yes. Everything yeah. is damp. Every <laughs> everything is shiny. <laughs> everything is like shooting lights into your eyes, and everything is like uh, either sunbaked or really dramatically shadowed. Those mm-hmm. are the only two options in this world. I think it yeah, starts because it's, it's awesome. It starts it's to weird. play on my attention span, though. It was like uh, ten minutes in, and I realized, wait, a minute, I don't know what's going on. I can't. People are just talking. <laughs> you literally couldn't focus yeah. on what was happening. <laughs> you, 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 the plot confused you of this movie, did it? Well, that and I just kept missing, literally missing what people were talking about. They just, mm-hmm. I heard words, but not really understood. Would you say that your eyes were glazed over, like you were just, sort of yeah, like not able to, yeah? It's. This was my sensation. Uh, like I said, I went and watched Ambulance the other day, and I was just like, this is so much movie. <laughs> they've packed six hours of movie into two hours and, and then thrown it at me. It's, it has all the images and all the words, and its sensory overload is happening. That's such a good ex- uh, like description. It's <laughs> so many. Yeah, all of the, all of the everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> all of the everything all at once. Wait, re- the, really? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. No, it just the Lerner Airfield assault is about the coolest thing I've ever seen ever in any <laughs> form of media. And then at the very end, after everything should be over because this should be an hour forty minute movie. They add 12 minutes oh my God. of car yeah. chase and <laughs> motorcycle chase, chase mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. you don't need it. It's not necessary <laughs> at all, but it's there mm-hmm. and it's good. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> so, this movie is so over the top and uh, it's pretty racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of shit where it's like, oh, I'm glad I grew up when I did because I don't think kids would be allowed to see this these days. No, they they definitely, it just felt like this this white bro is like, oh, I'm just going to throw racial slurs around. Uh, as much as I possibly can, because I'm going to get away with it. Yeah, that that all all that stuff is very icky. Uh, I want to get the icky stuff ac- actually out, out first. Um, also, the fact that they had... Um, a female cop, uh, guard lady bishop. on bishop on the plane with a serial rapist, <laughs> just mm-hmm. so, just as a plot device to make it the the audience scared that like, oh, any minute she's gonna get raped <laughs> by this guy was like really fucked up. Um, yeah, that and all the all the racist shit. Um, yeah, Danny Trejo, but Danny Trejo, but Danny Trejo's character 
Yeah. Has always been my least favorite part of this movie. Yeah, and Danny Trejo is such a, a badass. Like, murder, you can make murder fun, but there's but no not... way to make <laughs> serial sexual yeah. assault her. That's just and gross I love, and icky. And I, and... Yeah, and I love Danny Trejo, and, and it just makes me sad. And the fact that he like he has the tattoo, and he's like, I'm going to add a heart. I like his the, performance yeah. in this movie. I mean, yeah, he's he's great. Danny and it, great. It, he there's the part where Nicolas Cage throws him off of off of the woman, and he's wants to fight Nicolas Cage. And yeah, I'd say yeah. it's some of Danny Trejo's best acting, just as far as like looking intense and in the moment. And yeah, I, I guess I should have also added a trigger warning for the beginning of that that rant. But but yeah, that, yeah all that stuff is very very icky. But throw, throwing it to a whole other. On the other side of it, so I wasn't kidding about my mom and I. So we we saw this in the theater, just the two of us, because we really had a thing for uh, Nicolas Cage and uh, what's the guy's name? Um, the hold on, John, John Cusack. And for some reason, <laughs> um, um, John Malkovich and Steve Buscemi. <laughs> and so we, you know, we had a blast, the two of us, because we were, you know, I was like, let's see. 15 15 yeah and we were just like let's go see this this sexy <laughs> sexy all men they're so bad and and they're they're uh uh wow now i'm just realizing like my mom did, took me to see this when i was 15 is that weird <laughs> <laughs> no okay i don't okay. think so well, anyways we, we we thought it was uh fun at the time from my memory but like why re-watching it i'm like oh no oh no this this is very problematic. <laughs> oh no. Um but yeah, that I just wanted to start with that's that was my my intro to this movie. It's yeah, it it, it <laughs> tries to sell itself as like uh, you can have terrible characters because these are a bunch of bad guys. So it's like it's all right, but it, Yeah. When I will it's say that a bunch of white writers and producers and everything yeah. making it, it it does feel pretty gross. Um yeah. The stuff with like Chappelle and stuff yeah. just feels very dismissive and racist and condescending and all of that. Yes, I, and this, I yeah. this movie surprisingly has not aged as well as Twister. <laughs> not at all. Yes, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't love it. All the rest. Okay, so Virginia, you and Stephen hosted the first trustees karaoke the other week. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. How did I not sing this Trisha Yearwood song? Oh my goodness! How do I breathe <laughs> without you? Oh, I love it so much. It's so good. I, I like that they gave Trisha a little nod. Yeah, because this song was heavily marketed with this movie, so Ooh. we might as well name Monica Potter's character Trisha <laughs> just to give her a little nod. The um. I just remember that being such a big song and just was, it was everywhere. And, um, oh, this was at every dentist office for yeah. years. And I completely forgot the beginning of this movie. I forgot he had a wife and daughter. I forgot, like, yeah, the well, entire plot. <laughs> we, we first have to start with, uh, some good old fashioned military industrial complex here. Uh, oh, yeah. Military worship of <laughs> the like how great the Rangers are and they're they're the greatest men alive <laughs> and all this stuff. war hero. He's a war hero, everyone. He's not gonna leave a man behind. Yeah. Josh, is this guy in the bar? These locals, I, these <laughs> locals are hilarious because uh -huh. you 
you can't be a regular at a bar and be a I don't know. They, these guys would have been 86 a long time ago. Is that Wangro from Heat? The the dude oh. in the beanie, the main baddie. He looks very familiar, but I didn't look him up. I don't know who he is. No, I don't. I don't think he is. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So this whole bit. So they're talking <laughs> shit, and Nicholas Cage, leave my wife alone. We'll talk about his accent. <laughs> 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 they go out. I, I, I'm very happy. It's pouring rain. I, I know you guys think it's too much. I'm very happy that like the storm of the century is happening in this parking lot right now. <laughs> but it's, it does annoy me when it's like Nicolas Cage is so close to just going home. It's like, you already won, dude. You got the woman. She's pregnant. Just go home. You're mm-hmm. home from the war. Go mm-hmm. have some sex. Chill out. But instead, he goes to what defend her honor and chooses to fight four dudes in a parking lot for no, no I mean, reason. They step to him like they're they're really bringing the aggression. I can kind of are, but he doesn't need to respond. And, and also, why? Why are they so mad at the war hero guy? It's just like such a weird because like... Virginia. It's because of <laughs> pussies like him we lost Vietnam. Oh right, right. <laughs> I love that. I love that that line is spoken by a guy who's clearly never served. Yes. (laughs) And you were right, that that is Wayne Grow. It is? Yep, Kevin Gage. Hey, hey, (laughs) I like when that happens. It's good for you for not having face blindness. Right. Uh, So... Do you did you do you guys all remember like the rumors? I just remember this being such a playground thing of like, yeah, you can you break somebody's nose into their brain and it, yeah. it kills them yes. instantly. Yeah. That was yes. such like a childhood story that was told around the nineties. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what we were taught in Taekwondo. It was like like you mm-hmm. don't do that move because you could kill someone. Well, I <laughs> So after he kills the guy and he gets thrown <laughs> in jail, I love these letters with his daughter. Dear Daddy, are you ever coming home? <laughs> Dear Casey, I'll be home soon. Dear Daddy, there's this boy named Scotty Dalton. Dear Casey, to deal with Scotty Dalton, all you gotta do is curl your fingers, roll your wrist back, and pop the heel of your fist straight up his nose and <laughs> knock his nose into his brain. He'll never bother you again. Okay, so with my oh, daughter, okay. right. I'm trying to get back to my daughter. Can we talk about? Yeah, right, he's got his friend Babyo, who likes the 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 coconut things. The oh, scene yeah. where Babyo reads his parole paper, and then Nicholas Cage goes, ah, "I'm oh, going yeah. home, son." <laughs> Very jarring. <laughs> it's so good. We it's so big. It's so big. Oh god, I love we hit, it. We hit the replay button for that. God's got my back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going home, son. Let me get all juicy on me, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Did he just do what, what we think he did? Oh, he did. <laughs> It's very uh, oh man. Oh, so his accent, I think, is it's very similar to his accent in Wild at, in Wild at Heart, because he's got like a this like Southern drawl in that movie too. I don't know if you guys have seen Wild at Heart. The 
David Lynch classic. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I've never seen that one. Oh, you got to see it's, it. Trying it to feel like, I think you would love it. I think you would like, like I'm it. I'm missing a, a couple of the Cage classics. Never seen. Leaving Las Vegas sounds depressing. And then uh, oh, I haven't yeah. seen Raising Arizona. That's one that I mean to that's, see. That's a good one, too. Oh, yeah. He has an accent in Raising Arizona, too. But it's a different, mm. like, this one is, those other two are more, uh, less swampy. This one is real, yeah. like, real Louisiana kind of swampiness to it. Supposedly he did, he went to Alabama to, like, I'm looking at the Wikipedia, um, to learn, <laughs> learn how to speak in a southern, with a southern accent. Um, so, did you notice that on Nicolas Cage's cell wall, I had to pause it. Next to a photo of his family and everything, there's a drawing of Jesus Christ, and on the side it says, Jesus Christ was a black man without green eyes, so fuck you, big K, something rather, and then I can't read the bottom of it. I was trying to figure out, did oh, Baby wow. O'Reilly make that? Did Was that just something that Nick Cage made as Cameron <laughs> Poe in his free time, like arts and crafts? <laughs> Do you have a screenshot of that? I'd like to, I want to see that. I, I don't. I'll have to. I'll send it later. Um, what do you all think of the whole DEA side of this with Colin Meany and Cusack and, and all this? I think Meany and Cusack playing off each other in this movie, I, I, I think they're wonderful together. I just have a calm meanie gets to play a bad guy written down, and I, I feel like he probably had a lot of fun doing that. We're, He's we're a both great big, asshole. We're both He's big a great Star asshole. Uh, we're both big Star Trek fans, so he gets pushed around a lot in Star Trek. Yeah, O'Brien must suffer. <laughs> yeah, O'Brien must suffer. <laughs> what is the whole the plan where they sneak? Okay, so the whole concept is there's a plane full of convicts. That are going to another prison. They're picking him up and flying them to another prison, except for Nicolas Cage, who he's is just getting a ride because he's on parole. He's just getting a ride. He's just Sean's... getting a ride. He's this a nobody. Question. Can you explain why he's getting a ride though? Because Stephen kept asking me, but why though? <laughs> yes, <laughs> because they imprisoned him. He's from the south. Somehow mm. he got sent to prison in California. That. <laughs> That just happens sometimes, you know? That just is a thing that happens. Um, so he's going back, and then the plot is Santino is the the Hispanic drug lord guy, and they're going to get a DEA agent undercover on the plane recording him because he's known to have loose lips around other criminals. And so that's like the plot. And then... From there, we're introduced to. <laughs> That's it. Oh but, my why, God, but, but, why, but why is Poe on the plane? What? <laughs> why is Poe on the plane? <laughs> yes. What? What? What else why are they? Not? How the question else, is why? How else are they going to get him home? Why wouldn't they release him and then reimburse for a flight on a regular plane? Because he wouldn't There's be no a money in the anymore. budget for prisoners to be flying on Southwest, Stephen. We got a perfectly good plane flying over there right now. Filled with such maniacs as Cyrus the Virus, Garland Green, Johnny 23, Billy Bedlam. 
<laughs> Diamond Dog Nate. The list goes on I, and on. Oh I my god! I love that part. I love when they introduce all the all the bad guys, it's, and when Steve Buscemi comes in. Uh, he's the best. Char- he's the best character. He's the best character. Yes, he is. The whole get up that they have for Steve Buscemi <laughs> <laughs> with the long sticks that they have to lock into the thing and like move him around like he's cattle. <laughs> It's so fucking hilarious, Josh. You mentioned last week that you're you're a Buscemi guy, and mm-hmm. you haven't seen this. What did you think? Where did you think his character was going to go? Were you surprised that this is what they did with him? Um, I thought he was going to play a bigger part of it. Uh, and but this was his like stock in trade because he does the same kind of thing in Armageddon, right? Where it's like he gets to go big in that. But they're like, oh, we have this other character who's just here to complicate shit. Like, that's <laughs> his only... But in this... I hated him, and not him, but his character in Armageddon. Oh, I love just, him like, in that throw movie. throw this guy off the asteroid. He's doing nothing but causing problems and fucking things up. Just get him out of here. <laughs> He's got space madness. <laughs> he did. He did have space madness. The, oh. What were you saying, Josh? Uh, well, you stopped halfway through a sentence. Also, did, did we clear up why Poe Why, why is Poe on the plane? Because <laughs> he needs to get home, and this is the only way home. It's fine. Uh, to his boring, boring, boring family. To, to his daughter. <laughs> it's fine. He's his a nobody. Daughter. Don't worry about it. Uh, I did. I, this is my, my second brand shout out of of the episode <laughs> but trisha yearwood made my kitchen island and it's a great kitchen island i would recommend one to everybody uh yeah highly recommend it <laughs> wait i don't get it it literally uh i have a steel topped like kitchen island thing that i bought when i first moved into this house and it's from the trisha yearwood collection so <gasps> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. It all, it's all connected. <laughs> Every time we hear Trisha, we're like, hey, she built our kitchen island. <laughs> oh, I wrote, I wrote down this note. Just want to, uh, so Diane Warren penned Leanne Rhymes hit single, the song, How Do I Live by Trisha Yearwood. So I just wanted to. Oh, wow. Write. What? <laughs> so what it was is, Di- Diane Warren. Leanne uh, Rhymes sang this? Wrote it and Leanne Rhymes, it was a hit single, but then I guess Trisha Yearwood made it big with this version of the movie for the movie. Okay, this you just ruined the movie for me knowing that <laughs> How Do I Live Without You is a cover? That, I, I, oh no. Sean, well, every song is a cover. It's okay. <laughs> especially in country music, Sean. Nobody hardly writes yeah. their own stuff. And Diane Warren wrote a lot of that, um, the country pop crossover once again, our Venn diagrams here, uh, of oh yeah, of that era. The, I mean, you say you say, Joe, is it the Sweet Home of Alabama? Oh wait, no, never mind. I'm reading. Sorry, I'm on the Wikipedia and I'm getting all my things mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> Just got all the songs together. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was gonna say that. Um, Diane Warren wrote the uh, the Aerosmith song for the Armageddon movie. Oh. Shoulder to uh, no, 
No, this is the one that, that's like, I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, babe. Yes. yes. I, yes. I don't want to miss a thing. There we go. <laughs> that song that he serenades his daughter as <laughs> she has sex with Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you do. <laughs> so as we're getting all these prisoners on the plane, Call Meany sneaks the gun into the one DEA agent's sock. This guy looks very familiar. I don't know who this actor is. Mm-hmm. But... Did you think that the the main prison guard who's on the plane was a knockoff Dennis Farina? Oh. The guy who goes, gag and bag this Nazi son of a bitch. This yeah. is the kind of thing that gets me upset. It, it seemed like oh, a role yeah. written for Dennis Farina. And then they're like, oh, this guy's kind of Farina-ish. Mm-hmm. I see it now. Steve Easton. So Malkovich has... Malkovich has about 40 lines of dialogue that are memorable from this movie, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And when he talked to Johnny, he says, you're, you're, that, you're between a cockroach and that white stuff on the side of your mouth when you're really thirsty. And I can't tell if that's good writing or <laughs> terrible really writing. <laughs> As if but I, just, I love it. They just left it at that. What What is that called? What is that white stuff? You know, when you get really thirsty, you got to figure out what the, and then it just yeah, stayed. Well, in just, no, <laughs> that, just, that just made it through every draft and nobody ever bothered to look it up. <laughs> yeah. So Dave Chappelle has a syringe of gasoline and a match in his stomach that he pulls mm-hmm. out of his stomach with a string in his mouth. Is that what he does? Yeah. 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 How did that match not get soaking wet? I think it was in a piece of plastic. Mm. Mm. He's, he's well, got Well, anyways. <laughs> that makes more sense than Poe being on the airplane. <laughs> he makes some racist, racist comments to the uh, Native American man next to him before mm-hmm. lighting him on fire. Mm-hmm. And away mm-hmm. we go with this movie. So <laughs> Pinball starts freeing people. Poor Bobby. Poor Bobby in this movie yeah. gets murdered by handcuff. To the neck Ugh. by Ving Rhames. That's a brutal death. <laughs> I I had a memory. Oh well, I will wait till we get to that part. Never mind. All right. Mm. Um. So all the prisoners get released. Uh, the pilot's gonna jump out with the gun, but Cyrus grabs him and kills the pilot. And now uh, it's officially Con Air. And after this, in a little bit, we get the the DEA guy as they're all getting unlocked. He freaks out and pulls the gun and. And we get that first big conflict scene on the movie. Josh, what? I'm sorry. I can't stop my cat from chewing on the pop filter. (laughs) Kitty. He's an absolute weirdo. Um, So this... I've occasionally had problems taking notes when we do the show when I get too involved in a movie. But I think I was on Steven's wavelength with, with this, where I was like, I'm like, this movie is just happening at me. There's <laughs> it's so much just going on uh, that I was, my notes are like half sentences and then just a Cyrus <laughs> the virus. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you, are you trying to tell me that the scene where the prison guards discover in Cyrus's cell that he made a fake brick? <laughs> and filled the wall out, and then they find the little transcoder with the paper. Are you with, telling me that that explosion 
was unnecessary and that those <laughs> prison guards did not need to die and we did not need a fireball in a hallway scene is that what you're saying and then the the thing that almost cuts john cusack's head off uh-huh. it goes right right above his head mm-hmm. okay we found some weird shit down here <laughs> Thanks, the anarchist cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I was like, how did how did Cyrus the virus get his hands on the anarchist cookbook, or the blueprints of the plane, or I don't. I mean, that specific plane, or just any old uh, any old model of that plane. I like the idea of this like real badass killer. Um, you know, uses the. The uh, anarchist cookbook to make the, to, to make this bomb. Well, I like to it's picture like, no, it's Cyrus. It's like a fun punk book. It's fine. <laughs> it's like I'm just I like I'm to picture him like yeah. building the fake brick at the end of each day, and then like <laughs> repainting his wall and everything. <laughs> yeah. And the director also, the directors and the writers being like, "Oh yeah, the anarchist cookbook. Let's get <laughs> let's get that in there." Right. <laughs> uh, so real, the rec- real the badasses rec- use that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the DEA agent gets uh, shot, and um, I think the recording device that he's carrying is hilarious. It's, it looks like oh, an yeah. Altoids tin with two <laughs> giant wheels of tape <laughs> oh, rotating. Yeah. And I feel like in 1997, our technology was past this. Was yes. it not? At least micro cassette. Not- yes. <laughs> little reel to reel, like it looks like it was from World War Two. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Stephen, you were just like, why? <laughs> why is there reel to reel tape? I guess it looks better when it gets all um, destroyed and and falls it rolls down, down and rolls down the aisle of the bus. I like that as the tape rolls down, you hear like. Uh, so they gotta land in carson city and there's a sandstorm of course there's a sandstorm it's carson city um and they have to do a prisoner exchange and this part i think something happened in the edit here because the prison guard takes nicholas cage's daughter's photo when he gets on the plane and he's like "I'll, i'll get this back and then right as he's about to kick him off the plane, Nicolas Cage goes, I told you I'd get this back, and takes his daughter's photo. And then 30 seconds later, he goes to the same guard, Damn it, you son of a bitch, where'd you put my daughter's picture? And I... Oh, it was That's a trick. That's when he's planting the tape. Yes. What? That's when he's putting the tape recorder in the guard's pocket. Okay, that he's makes so it. much more sense. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. So he, that's why he grabbed... All right, thank you. Um, so you don't understand... City, <laughs> you don't understand that, Sean, but you understand why Poe is on the plane. <laughs> you guys just opened this movie up to me. I, I learned something new. This is probably my 20th time watching this movie, by the way. I've seen it a lot. Um... So yeah, Dave Chappelle is going to choose some really bad time to hit on a woman, mm-hmm. and uh, this is where we also get introduced to my favorite character, Swamp Thing. Oh yeah, played Swamp by great. MC Gainey, uh, who is such a that guy of an actor. He just has such. He's one of the most like recognizable faces in movies, but I couldn't tell you what else he's been in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. 
But he's hilarious in this movie. I think I think he's dialed into what I really find is fun in this movie, and it's clearly not the racist jokes, but it's all the other stuff of yeah. just like the, the complete chaos and madness and like, get it? Fly and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like just he's so over the top. He's having a great time. He's just He's having so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and then He's the, just uh, in it for the ride. <laughs> uh, Garland Green gets on the plane at this point. Uh, they take off, and uh, oh, man. real quick, d- yeah, Sean, did you or did anybody have a memory of? I asked this because I had this memory. I thought someone had murdered Dave Chappelle's character Pinball and throws him out of the plane, but he just okay, gets, he just gets yeah. like scooped up. Somehow. Yeah, we see him running next to the plane. And he gets flipped off by the Native American guy he burned. And then it seems like he trips and gets sucked up into the wheel. But I ask you this. When they show his body, is that Dave Chappelle? That's definitely a double. It's like a, it's like a, it is, it has to be like, what is it called? Um, a body double thing. Not a body double. I, um. Like a mannequin. A mannequin thing. Because I, the first time I saw this movie. I was unable to make the connection that they're asking us to believe that that is Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah. it, looks, it looks nothing like him. <laughs> yeah, so Cameron Poe goes down there with uh, Ving Rames and dislodges the body and writes the note. What do you think of this change of pace where we get this old couple and... Uh, Oh, god dang it. Every time I get the car waxed, I get 20 feet from the car wash, and I, <laughs> yeah. that happens. He says wash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this, this bit just cracks me up, though. It's so, it's so 90s with yeah. the body falling in this yeah. couple and the complete change of pace and the music they're listening to. I saw that it, it's from, it's a reference to a movie, um... I was watching it on Amazon, and, it, and a th- little thing popped up that said, whatever song is playing, uh, and the scene is referenced to another movie, and I'm forgetting what it is. Is it? Um, it's were like they summer. listening to I, I See No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was something summer. Uh, I don't know. Well, it, was, it was like an orchestral piece. Um, was it nothing makes me sad when the agent <laughs> lost his bladder on the was airplane? John Malkovich is going for it in this movie, and <laughs> oh, I respect man. the hell out of him for it. He's great. He's 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 so good in this. The uh, the Volpo guy is for me. He's always dad because he played Agent Scully's dad in the X Files episode. Um, yeah, and then he is um, what is it? Bobby Briggs's dad in Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's I like the same character in both roles. <laughs> he's always some sort of uh, officer uh, of of in the military. Yep. Yeah, I always think of him, and I can't help but think of in Twin Peaks when he says Cooper, 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 <laughs> <laughs> to Cooper. Yep. Uh, 
so Steve Buscemi is finally going to start talking in this movie. Uh, I, li- <laughs> I like the scene where he talks about he's a he's a untreated a misplaced fount of anger either held too much or not enough as a child <laughs> and now <laughs> those moments of levity are torture for him and <laughs> he's a fount of misplaced rage name your cliche mother held him too much or not enough last picked at kickball late night sneaky uncle whatever now he's so angry, moments of levity actually cause him pain. Gives him headaches. Happiness for that gentleman hurts. What's wrong with him? My first thought would be a lot. Garland Green cracks me up. I do love his character, and I like I like how they 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 kind of turn him into a, a good guy, even though you know he's going to start murdering again soon. It's I know, and I okay. It's a funny thing to say, but I like the fact that they they dangle a child's life (laughs) over our heads for fun. And it's like the lightest thing in the movie with the darkest subtext possible at the same time. (laughs) It's a bit like the pets and the dogs in danger in other movies. They're like, what is going to happen? Yeah. Is the dog gonna make it? Are they? Are, is, they, actually is gonna, gonna... are they actually gonna murder a kid in this like romp of an action movie? It is and, one and right hell be- of a payoff, though. And right before that, there's some quote. Uh, it's like, oh, he's. I think he says it that I wore a, I wore a woman's head as a hat for a week yes. <laughs> or something. Just like what? Okay, I've been ever since I saw this movie as an 11 year old. I've tried to figure out what that means how Mm -hmm. did he picture it Mm -hmm. did he just like stick her like literal (laughs) skull just like on top of his head so he's like a totem pole driving around (laughs) or was there more of like a uh a wig manufacturer let's put it lightly uh being happening Uh, what does that mean i drove through three states wearing her head as a hat i always pictured it as literally like just but it would be really hard to keep keep it on his head. <laughs> picturing just like from the neck that's, the neck up. It's <laughs> but- kind of a funny visual. Yeah. <laughs> like he has to drive he has to drive a car with a sunroof and have the sunroof oh, open to yeah, have enough headspace. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh man. So my next scene is the the fight scene with Billy Bedlam underneath. What do you guys just do? You like the music in the movie? Because I think there's one wailing guitar riff that happens like it's like Cameron Poe's badass song, and I think it's really badass, and I still love it to this day. Yeah, it definitely makes the movie for me. Without that, I don't know if it would be quite what it is. It's it's pretty important and it is definitely badass it's yeah everything is uh the eddie van halen guitar solo from the end of twister like throughout (laughs) throughout the movie though Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so josh had you heard the line put the bunny 
back in the box. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's been referenced in other things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Puppy. Baby. Ooh. Put the bunny. Bunny. Is there a bunny outside? <laughs> there might be a bunny outside. Uh, or my mail might be getting delivered. The yeah. the the mail uh person she she brings my dogs treats every day. So if they're not outside, uh, they miss the treats and they get upset. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. But it's it's muddy and I didn't want the dogs outside getting all gross. But the treat. I know it's very it's very sweet. <laughs> uh, when Poe comes back up. He looks at his hands like he's Macbeth <laughs> after he just killed Billy Bedlam. <laughs> he does like an overacting <laughs> yeah. thing of like looking at his hands and like, what have I done? And then Bill, and then he gets the whole speech from Garland about two men go down, one man comes up <laughs> and, and murder is a, a, usually an act of necessity and blah, 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 blah. Um, I think the part where they put the transponder in Uncle Bob's scenic tour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have two attack helicopters <laughs> chasing this thing. That made me so nervous. <laughs> so, so nervous. I kept thinking they were going to shoot this. Well, I thought that they were going to shoot, because I don't remember, like, I don't remember that part at all, but I was thinking they were going to shoot that plane down. Uh, with the innocent bystanders on it, and just without looking, just start shooting at them. <laughs> the no visual contact. Wa- the grandma waving through the window yeah. as they yeah. fly past is very funny. Very- yeah, it ended up being very ho- wholesome, which was good. <laughs> I gotta say the the um, so Colm's character, uh, constantly, constantly not taking the advice of uh, John Cusack. Mm. And doing completely the opposite. I don't understand why there was such a grudge. What he really had against John Cusack, except for he didn't want uh, his man to bring a gun on the plane. Because he's a college nerd, man. He he quotes Dostoevsky when talking about institutionalization. And Kalmini is not here for that. Kalmini is not here to listen to some (laughs) college brat tell him that the system creates the monsters and not vice versa. Like... Steven, I, I liked your point about about like the comparison of, of the Twister nerds with the Con Air nerd. Yeah, what were you saying? Like that it's 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 a lot harder to see. Like I I, I got like I, I felt like Con Air was trying to tell me that that John Cusack's character was this like sandal wearing granola <laughs> eating okay. like hippie guy when, when he's not in the office. And he's not when at did all. you notice? When did you notice the Birkenstocks? Because it was not until the last shot that we see John Cusack where I finally saw the sto- the socks and the Birkenstocks. And that Does was he really like have them? A mind yes. bl- Wait, are yes. you kidding? He's, and no, it's the I didn't final shot of his... After oh, okay. he's, when he shakes hands with Cameron Poe at the very end, you get a foot shot. He's been in socks and Birkenstocks no. the entire fucking movie. See, it's, yeah, when, I, I when he first it. arrives we on the that scene, completely. Well, that's when I was. No I, I, that's when I was Wait, really confused, right uh, and I was having a hard time I keeping never, up with the movie. That's one of the facts I do not remember from this movie, and so watching it. Last night, that like blew my mind. Okay, well then they slipped it in there because because this whole time I'm like, why does he think he's such a hippie guy? 
<laughs> he hates him with a passion and really just to me it just seems like he just wants to follow protocol and have his you know have his own authority for his operation but okay that makes a little more sense yeah but now it, but now it doesn't <laughs> Literally, the uh, before you see his face, you see his Birkenstocks for like, I don't know, a quarter of a second or something. Man, uh, I totally missed that. Is it like one of those feet to legs to to like torso shots? I, I get a very sexy pan up of Junkie <laughs> yeah. Sack in yeah. his white linen suit. We must have actually seen it, but it was it was like um, what is it? Um, where you see something in a flash? Um, uh, Subliminal. subliminal it was a subliminal message because you mentioned he's like he's not like he's a birkenstock wearing hippie yeah. <laughs> yes. but he literally is and you were it was just subliminally in our brains that that uh that that's what he that, that shot was in there real quick i found the reference in that scene where uh dave Chappelle is thrown from the airplane it is from a summer place from 1959 and i have no idea what that is but <laughs> i found out what it what i was talking about Continue. <laughs> now I want to. Now I want to see. Does a body fall out of the sky in a summer place? I don't think so. That doesn't seem like something that would happen probably, in a movie from the fifties. It's probably just two people driving down the road or something, and then the music plays and maybe or the, something the bird like that. poop scene as a yeah yeah. So they're gonna land now at Lerner Airfield, and. So Cusack decides he's going to steal Calmini's car, the as kicker. And uh, <laughs> when he shows up at the airfield first, and he, he goes to the tower, and he sees characters in movies are always touching blood. You notice that? Yeah. People see blood on the ground, and their instinct is always, mm. I'm going to put my finger in that, <laughs> and then rub it between my two fingers, and this will tell me that it's blood. That and sometimes taste it. <laughs> or at least smell it. Mm -hmm. I, I have to make sure this doesn't motor oil. Like, I've never seen massive amounts of blood just laying around, but I'm pretty sure I would know that it was blood. Like, oh, that reminds me of Resident Evil. I hope it's not Chris's blood. <laughs> Anybody played the original RE? Shout out to Resident Evil 7 PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Texas Chainsaw one? No, it's the no. Ver the very first one where Jill and Barry are looking at a pile of blood, and and the the voiceovers are just so bad, the English oh, voiceovers, yeah. and she goes, "I hope it's not Chris's blood." <laughs> the voiceovers <laughs> in those early PlayStation <laughs> games are amazing. They're so great, <laughs> very memorable. Do you think the little girl that hangs out with Garland Green is this air traffic controller's kid? Why because else would I she be there? I've not seen... Well, no, there's, there's, there's an old town. man. There's three people in this town that we see. The old man, who apparently lives underneath the fire truck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <and> the air <laughs> traffic controller. Uh, the pilot, and then the little girl. Four people. Just, what's, what is life out here at this place? And she she's so, has so much dirt all over her. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Did you... Did you think that this might be an imagination of Garland Green's at some point? Ooh. This feels so disorienting in Twin Peaks. And when they start singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> it's a definite, like, what the fuck and kind of that, moment. There's that one shot where it's the Garland Green vision, and it's sort of 
the wide angle. It's all like distorted and warpy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that that scene, I think, is the one that I think of the most, and it sticks out of me, to me, when I think of Conair. I think of that, um, especially the singing. Oh, yeah. And then he starts singing it again. That's possible, though. But that payoff, when they let you know that the little girl is okay, <laughs> if she is real, uh, <laughs> just like the most enthusiastic waving from the ground. <laughs> Bye! Bye! <laughs> She's I'm still alive. Okay. <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm not a hat. <laughs> <laughs> we got some great bad writing coming up that it, it's one or the other. Uh, Malkovich, Santino tells him to have patience. And Malkovich goes, the last guy that told me to have patience, I burned him down and bagged his ashes. <laughs> bagged his ashes. That's the part where I'm like, you what? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> what you, would you then do with the bag? Why? If he was at, uh, I have so many questions. It's like one of those things where it's like that. Do, that doesn't sound as cool as it does in your head. It looked good on paper. <laughs> Something came out clumped and weird. I don't know. It sort of implies that he has a lot of patience, though, uh, right? Yeah. To, to then procedurally scoop up ashes and get them in a bag. It's and you can't. <laughs> yeah, and you can't bag hot ashes. You got to wait hours oh. for that shit to cool. Off, otherwise it's just gonna True. melt through the bag. Uh, we also get one of my favorite Nicolas Cage readings in this, and it's where Ving Rhames wants to execute the guards, and so Nicolas Cage walks in the room <laughs> and he kicks one of the guards over and goes, They're hostages, we need them. But why the fuck you can't? Hey man, come on. I can't think of a thing. I like better. Uh, than to put a bullet in the brain base every one of these fuckers. But the fact of the matter is, how well you know this Sendino? There's nothing I love more than to put a bullet in each of these pigs' heads. <laughs> <laughs> and each, it's, each it's time he's hit, kicking the he, next guy. <laughs> and he says bullet so hard. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I thought I thought you were going to mention the time when he's, he's talking to a... They, he first meets up with John Cusack's character. Vin, Vince, Vinny, what's his name? Vince Larkin. Vince Larkin. And uh, what's the line? He's like, what are you- There's only two men I trust. One of them's me, and the other's not you. Oh, that's a good line. But no, when he says, uh, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm, I'm save But I the forget day. what it is. Yeah. Save the day. <laughs> yeah. Does he say sa you, you save the a... fucking, fucking day, or does he just say save the day? He'll do that for me, won't you, Larkin? Sure I will. What are you gonna do for me? What do you think I'm gonna do? I'm gonna save the fucking day. You, you tell her I love her. She's my <laughs> hummingbird. <laughs> what about what about the scenery, Sean? What the lighting in the in the hangar is that is that what you're complaining well, about? No, 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 no. This <laughs> the scenery from checking out the landing gear. Oh, when he says trees and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many hands made lot work. My daddy taught me that. You know what my daddy taught me? Nothing. Self-educated man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he really, Colin Meany says, he... 
Larkin is off recycling his sandals or some shit. <laughs> oh my, the lines are coming left, right, and center now. I will say, as a kid, I I didn't understand. I just this was, I think, my first exposure to transvestites and just gay culture. And I I just didn't. I, it's not great that it's here in this movie, but I thought that one prisoner was just like, oh, they just threw like one random woman into this plane full of burly dudes because that's just i was a kid and naive <laughs> but they did but they did actually do literally do that with the with the with the one <laughs> with, with the, the guard um, right yes. with the yeah. guard yeah but um yeah is she i mean or, or that that character i don't know if that character is actually s supposed to be trans or if they're i don't think um, they put enough i don't they think they put think any thought into it and that's we were beyond see, just like wouldn't it Stephen and I were Wouldn't talking it be about good that. To have, like a gay character in this or whatever. Yeah, it it seemed it like was was the least offensive of. I mean, it definitely is offensive, but like they at least aren't like constantly going on about like the fact that they're trans or making like she, trans jokes. You no, know, she but, finds the dress and a couple of guys whistle at her. Him, I don't know. If it, yeah, but, and and um, it's just sort of but like, overall, accepted she's not. And, she's not like the. Butt of any jokes like yeah, Chappelle yeah. is, where they call him right. the N word multiple times and talk <laughs> yeah. about him being a crack addict and blah Ugh. blah blah. And his oh, character God. literally is like, "You didn't mean that, right?" I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really appreciate you. It's like aggressively, that. yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, so we're gonna set up <laughs> the Larkin, the Learner Airfield, this whole thing, and so, uh, I love. That shot of Trejo up on the tower. Oh, yeah. Hey, we got company. <laughs> and there's one really cool, actually, I think, rotating shot that I can't tell if it's a crane or maybe a helicopter shot, something like that. And then, what do you think of Cyrus setting this up with the the little diagram <laughs> and the dirt? Oh yeah. yeah. It's classic. Considering my audience, I'm going to make this very quick, very simple. This is the boneyard. This is the hangar. This is our plane. What's that? That's a rock. Okay. The convoy will enter the boneyard through here. Initially, we take out the first car. Then we take out the last, creating a trap, an airtight cage filled with lots and lots of dead people. Nathan, set everybody in their position, yeah? That, I, that's used, I, I did this in Grand <laughs> Theft Auto 3. After I saw this movie, I remember, like, I'd, I'd wait for, like, I'd block an intersection in a street in Grand <laughs> Theft Auto, wait for a bunch of cars to line up stuck there because they didn't know what to do. And then I remember, like, literally thinking as a kid, like, take out the first car and the last car, and it will be an airtight trap filled with lots and lots of dead bodies. <laughs> I what, like that what? Trejo, uh, when he's waving, he it's so uh, visceral that he has to take his shirt off. They have so much. They, they keep saying, oh, we only have 10 minutes, but it seems like they had hours oh, they and hours so to set that up. Because yeah. we still haven't done the Sandino thing where there's supposed to be another gigantic jet there to take everyone else. And this guy just has a little like six seater <laughs> private jet for himself and for his boys and the guy from uh, Trimmers too. And I think this part's so cool when Larkin runs 
to the to the crane and drops the crane on the plane's tail oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it crashes and then we get Malkovich with one of the dumbest yet greatest <laughs> one-liners I've ever heard <laughs> when the guy's covered in gasoline and he goes sigh Anara <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so bad. But we're and laughing. He does, he does end but up. We're bur- laughing. It's good. He, he does end up bur- bur- burning him alive, like he, and maybe he'll he'll bag up his ashes. I like. I like to think done. that Cyrus bagged up his ashes after this. <laughs> yeah. uh, so about- that explosion happens, and Nicholas Cage is in there, and he finds the needle, and he dives under, or no, he he dives under the truck, and there's a random old man. <laughs> Under the truck, <laughs> this old man gives one of the greatest single line readings I've ever <laughs> seen in any movie. He says, Don't kill me. I'm not gonna kill you, old timer. Listen, I need a syringe. Oh no, drugs will end you, son. Is there a first aid kit around here? Well, there might be one in the fire truck over on the boneyard. All right, thanks. You just stay here and don't panic. It's easier for you to say, you don't got to take a piss. There's a gigantic jar of pickled eggs inside that saloon. And I'm terrified to think of what that jar smells like. How long those eggs have been there. (laughs) It makes me, I was just talking with my friends about bars having pickled eggs. Have you been to a bar with pickled eggs? Because that's like a Moe's Tavern from The Simpsons thing. I've never seen that Mm-mm. in person. I've had pickled eggs before, and they're they're pretty good, but I've never been to a bar that sells them. Not in recent memory, for sure. I bet Josh has. <laughs> just because I'm so aged? <laughs> no, it's just, you, you tell me weird things about Indiana. I would not be surprised <laughs> if you grew up with pickled eggs on the counter. Nah, I I bet, though... My dad would tell me that uh, there was a place in, like, Marcellus, Michigan that always had pickled eggs or something. Uh, when <laughs> when my dad was young, my grandfather would take him to those bars, uh, and my grandfather would bet other bar patrons that uh, my dad couldn't play the, the, the drum solo from Wipeout when he was, like, six years old or whatever. And... So my my dad would sit up there and play the drums, and my grandfather would like get free drinks off to the side, and uh, that's exactly the kind of place where you'd get pickled pickled eggs at. Is a bar where that kind of shit happens. Wonder how they're they're served in the bar if the bartender just reaches his hand or their hand into the into the jar. And oh yeah, that's that's sterile. That's that is, <laughs> I know. It's just just the, like the pickle juice. Drunk people just reaching into yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I like pickled eggs too, but not in public. That, that, that's a thing you eat at home and only at home. Um, so we're gonna start the whole, the whole assault, and I, I love this bit. Um, were you gonna say something about pickled eggs? I, I just, I wish we could have heard uh, Nicholas Cage as Poe say uh, "pickle jar." <laughs> Well, that's a pickle jaw. Looks like, like you got whoa, your whoa, hand in Virginia, the pickle jaw. Virginia, what was that? You made that him was... like a fancy British person. Pickle jaw. No, that's more of like, hello, I'm a 
uh, it's more of like a Savannah Southern accent. You, you, you tell her she's my hummingbird. Get she's out my- the pickle jar. <laughs> <laughs> She's my hummingbird. <laughs> my boring um, wife and boring cha- boring daughter. Sorry, nope, that that's just British. So, can we can real quick though? Can we talk about how boring his wife and daughter are, or is that is that just us? Is that just Jim right. and I? I'm gonna, very, I'm gonna admit very, something here. The very unmemorable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit family. something right now. Yeah. <laughs> the end of this movie got me to tear up today. Oh, <gasps> the part where his daughter is afraid of him, and um, like that fear is real, and the look on his face of like respecting <laughs> her space, but also being heartbroken by it, and then the relief yeah. when she does hug him, and like he finally is holding his family again, and. <laughs> it, it it just got to me, man. This movie, I didn't expect it. He's trying. He's handing her this this poor stuffed animal that's just been through so much. And she does not understand how many people he's had to kill for her <laughs> yeah. to have that bunny. She's like, why? Why are you bunny trying has to give the this soul to me? Of three men in it. <laughs> you think like he he doesn't have to give her the he can still. I don't know, show his love some other way, like hugging her or like, why does he have to do the bunny? <laughs> he can th- he doesn't need the bunny. <sighs> I don't know. But, but otherwise, yeah. Monica Potter, I think of her from uh, uh, Patch Adams and uh, <laughs> oh, Patch along, Adams. Came, along Came a Spider, uh, yes. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think she's a solid mm-hmm. actress. I agree. She's not doing much in this movie, but. Yeah. So, uh, back at Lerner Airfield, the explosions start. Planes are burning and collapsing everywhere. There's, there's like <laughs> every five seconds, another plane is on fire and somehow collapsing to the ground. <laughs> um, Larkin starts up the tractor and like propane oh, tanks yeah. are just like bouncing off of the hood of the tractor as he's driving around. I love Cusack's yelling. In this, and just yelling, mm. you, you piece of shit car! And, <laughs> uh, and this is my, the line from this that's really stuck with me, and the one that like I still think about all the time. Well, baby it's not exactly my ties and Yahtzee out here. Let's do it! Well, baby, yo, not exactly my ties and Yahtzee out here, <laughs> but let's do it. <laughs> it's slow motion running. <laughs> Badass. Gives me the chills. <laughs> How about what happens to, to call Meanie's car? What is it called again? The ass kicker. The ass kicker. It's delightful. And on any other day, that might seem strange. Just... <laughs> that visual is so cool when they're pulling the car through the air and it's just and it crashes through the tower like i think the effects are really good in this movie yeah Mm -hmm. everything holds up really nicely there's a couple dodgy ones when they're looking um like some rear projection kind of stuff with the oh when they're in the ramp of yeah the plane itself Yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah 
Oh, they got so close to getting away. Um, so the ass kicker gets hooked and dropped into the tower. And I like that. Even through all this, somehow Cusack and Meanie are starting to find some like common respect. Even mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, and Sweet Home Alabama hits, and there's not and much that- better than Steve Buscemi saying, "Define irony." Bunch of idiots dancing on a plane to a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. <laughs> and then they find. Poe's letter and oh man John, uh, oh. Uh, Malkovich is reading little girl voice reading the letter is <laughs> very silly he's like my daddy <laughs> my daddy's <laughs> coming home on July 14th my birthday is July, July 14th <laughs> I'm gonna see my daddy for the first time ever on July 14th make a move and the bunny gets it um, yeah but why has that bunny also... How has nobody ripped the bunny's head off? I feel like that's something that they would do, is rip the bunny's head off. But they, know, they don't do that. They're Anyways. bad men, but they're not evil men. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baby L standing up and saying, pretty clever, huh, bitch? And Cusack, or Malkovich shoots him and goes, no, that's clever. That's good writing. <laughs> it, it, is it? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> is it though? <laughs> <sighs> I mean, it is. It is fun. It is. It is fun. It's very fun. It's very guilty ridden fun. <laughs> Guilt ridden right. fun. <laughs> so when Cameron Poe gets Baby O the the injection, and then Baby O gets shot, and Baby O oh, like, it's so sad. I think I'm dying, son. Like I think like God doesn't exist. And Cameron Poe decides, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a superhero now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you God does exist. And suddenly, he just becomes a superhero, and he's like supercharged like a Saiyan. And so he smashes the one Nazi with the Jack Daniels bottle. The next Nazi shoots him with a bullet, a bullet, and it apparently has zero effect on Cameron Poe now because he's pissed off. He doesn't even flinch. It just goes through his arm. It's just like he, it does not stop his forward momentum at all. No. No. It's a great plot device to just decide like, oh, nothing can stop him now. (laughs) (laughs) When, when he decides he wants to take control of the plane, he just does it. Yeah. (laughs) It and just he took shuts him. he shuts all the <laughs> gates behind him, and then Malkovich is shooting. I love when he Malkovich has the M sixteen shooting the lock, going pow. <laughs> and Bishop gets her one little moment where she, uh, well, she kicks Danny Trail in the face earlier, but she bashes him with the gun rifle, and mm-hmm. that part was really satisfying to to see that. Yeah, for sure. And I do like. I wish Bishop was given a little more proactive stuff to do because I, I do like the actor a lot. And I think it would have been cool to have Bishop be a bit more of a player in this and have some more positive influence on this as opposed to just kind of being icky bait for Danny Trejo. Yeah. That's, and do do you recall her from anywhere else? Because I always remember her um, uh, from Total Recall. Yes. Yeah, that's who I... Yeah, she's yeah. great in Total Recall. I love... Yeah, I love her in that. 
I like her in this too. Um, but yeah, she's she's unfortunately doesn't doesn't do much other than not she, be. Apparently, raped, she's which... in falling down, but I don't remember who she oh. is. In that. Yeah, she's one of the the officers or detectives or mm. whatever. Um, so they really should have shot that plane down in the desert, huh? That was maybe kind of a mistake to not do that. Because <laughs> now we're going to Vegas and Swamp Thing is aiming for the strip. <laughs> um, it's like a whole other movie begins. <laughs> I know. This This is a four or five act movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garland singing as the plane going down. We got the whole world in his hands. Is great. <laughs> the one guy in the background just going, "Shut the fuck up, man!" <laughs> uh, so the plane crashes. Surprise! I love that. Like there would be hundreds of deaths, uh, like <laughs> yeah, civilian yeah. casualties and stuff. But the movie basically shows us like two cars kind of get knocked out of the way, and that was basically it. I love taking down the hard rock guitar, though. Yeah, That was very cool. The, Do you think they did this with miniatures? Oh, they had to have. I think also, earlier when, uh, when Cyrus flings the, uh, the cigarette and says sayonara, uh, that is, I think that's a giant cigarette. So I think they did a lot of like perspective work. Oh, that's cool. I love stuff like that. It's a giant cigarette? Yeah, I don't think it's a macro shot. I think it's actually a giant cigarette that they used. Like a giant prop. I don't know that they have giant cigarettes, <laughs> cigarettes in real life. <laughs> giant novelty cigarettes. I love that the yeah, tricks like that. They do do that a lot in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so, of course, as the plane lands and crashes into a casino, it wouldn't be a good movie. If we didn't get a slot machine jackpot oh, yeah. from the plane hitting <laughs> yeah. the slot machine. Can, speaking, can can we talk about the Danny Trejo's death? Or I guess he does, he's not dead, but um, uh, he's this the yeah the landing kills him. The landing the with the arm hanging, dangling, and and uh, the moving his body away, but his arm is still hanging there. That yes. really after, after really got it, me when I was younger. <laughs> Especially after Nicolas Cage slamming his head into the fence going, you don't treat women like that. (laughs) (laughs) I actually didn't know about the arm thing, uh, because I think I've only seen this movie on TV and in pieces usually, which is why I didn't really see the beginning either. It was very fresh to me. Uh, But yeah, it seems like something that they would probably nicks from Mm -hmm. a tv airing is a dangling arm yeah for sure i like how the arms just kind of like twisting in the breeze of the plane yeah (laughs) it's a it's a nice little little touch gruesome gruesome touch uh but cyrus swamp thing a few other people and nate survive and uh jump on the the fire truck so now we get poe and uh, larkin on the motorcycle cops and then <laughs> working together we get we get more good riding we get two more motorcycle cops join the chase and how do we know they're motorcycle cops 
because they drop a donut in the foreground as they take <laughs> off. <laughs> I wonder if that was also a big donut. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. <laughs> um, and this is where we get uh, the ending, ending, ending of this movie. <laughs> what do you think of this whole chase sequence through the tunnel? At one point, they ride the motorcycles through that that archway that has like the big projected archway where the, the, the jets free fly over street. and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I the very, very, very end of what happens to um, all what is uh, what happens okay, to so, yeah, Malkovich's so, character is pretty pretty wild. I was like, oh yeah, right, so that's how he dies. <laughs> he dies several Nate, deaths. He he crashes the motorcycle into the back which immediately explodes and that apparently vaporizes Ving Rhames into dust because <laughs> he is out of the movie and gone after that explosion. The bit that I think people forget, the broom handle through Malkovich's leg. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a yeah. gnarly moment. Right. Holy fuck. And how, how, like, how much force that would take. Yeah, but Cameron Poe's a god. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was pretty great how many times that he was trying to stab through the fire truck ladder. He's, gah, gah, just in every which way except <laughs> so the way that would actually <laughs> do it. <laughs> and so Nicolas yeah, Cage ahead, is is grabbing at that hook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he's hanging with one arm, grabbing at that hook with the other one. I'm like, you're going to get a broken finger, buddy. <laughs> you're going to get hurt and then fall off this truck. It's not going to be good. Not Poe. <laughs> not Ken, So, yeah, this, this ending with Malkovich here. Yeah, to kill Cyrus the virus, you got to kill him at least two or three times, right? <laughs> so he gets handcuffed to the top. Meanwhile, Larkin has fire-hosed... Um, Swamp Thing out of the movie. He flies through the windshield <laughs> at some point and he's gone. And then he raises it. So there's a pedestrian bridge. We're still near the strip. The pedestrian bridge, the ladder collides with the pedestrian bridge. And Malkovich <laughs> is launched three miles to the industrial part of town. <laughs> where, where the fuck did this... This rock crushing plant come from that's right next to the casinos? What's going on? <laughs> he also is go goes through um the telephone poles that electrocute yeah. him. And through the whole the that's whole the whole time he you can hear him screaming, he's just this this like background like the whole time. Oh, when he gets stabbed in the leg, Malkovich does such a long yell, it keeps going. It's like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a rock smashing factory he lands conveniently on a conveyor belt head into the rock smasher good night john malkovich see you later cyrus the virus it's like a rude and, the, and the hard cut from cyrus's head getting squished to like sentimental Cameron Poe, <laughs> Trisha Yearwood music, shaking Larkin's hand, saying there's now three men I trust. And all that. it's, like, it's such a hard cut. Is there is there a one-liner uh, in reference to uh, Malkovich's demise? 
I can't remember. No, it cuts no. it cuts from his head to an empty um helmet spinning on the ground. Like <laughs> the thing comes down on his head and his legs kick, and then you see an empty helmet spinning <laughs> on <Right>. the ground. <laughs> and then the guys pick up the little doll that Bushimi had. I'm like, that's just a great series <laughs> of images. It's called the art of cinema. <laughs> and the and the bunny, yeah, the bunny goes down the sewer, but Poe catches the bunny. Because he of has he, does. he has to give it to his daughter. <laughs> Just nasty ass sewage covered <laughs> blood splattered bunny. Money money is flying everywhere because they ran through an armored truck. Uh, of course they did. And it's like the, the end of uh, the people under the stairs, right? Where the, mm-hmm. the, the cash explodes and everyone is just in the streets grabbing it. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> just another night in Vegas, right? Yeah. So the movie ends here where we get the sentiment. We get the bunny and the hug and everything. And now I'm crying. Oh. And then we get the little tag with Garland Green, which... Yay. I, this movie <laughs> cracks me up <laughs> that we have a guy who tells us he wore a woman's head <laughs> as a hat, and now we're like excited <laughs> that he survived and he's going to live it up in Vegas. <laughs> Maybe we let he that changed. little girl live. Yay. We he love changed. him. Now. He's, he's a yeah. transformed person. He left, he left the, that whole thing with the girl in the mm-hmm. airfield changed him and he's not into murder anymore <laughs> and he's left the, the he's he's released the metaphorical um uh doll and left it in the oh, fire yeah. they're like oh what's mm-hmm. this he's not keeping that he's shedding his whole uh violent past mm-hmm. if he even had one this Maybe movie's really about about him. <laughs> yes. It's it's, it's Garland Green's story. <laughs> I like Stephen you you you're not positive that he's guilty. Um, <laughs> you, you still think he's an alleged serial killer? Yeah. I think it's possible. We haven't seen him do anything mm-hmm. as a viewer. He's just has some stories, and he seems to he just seems to be amused by the whole situation. <laughs> he's seated in about ninety percent of his. We barely see. You're right. We barely see him do. A single thing. Like, rolling a die is the most action he does in this movie. (laughs) Um, What do you think of character title cards like this? This reminds me of the end of Predator, where you get all the guys laughing in their little character name and and actor name. Uh, For some reason, this makes me very happy. Yeah, it's it's nice. the end of a movie, and you just get to kind of get a feel for, like, everyone had fun making this, or the actors had a good time, and and it was, a, and it's also acknowledging that like this was a movie, like th- this was just a lark in the end, and we're just here to have fun. It's like the cast call at the end of a theater production. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes out, and that little wink. We we there's two <laughs> shots of Nicolas Cage that we did not mention: the stepping off the bus, which is gift everywhere, and mm-hmm. rightfully so, it's beautiful. And then that little wink that he does at yeah. the at the plane, and here again at the very end. I I don't know if Nicolas Cage has ever looked better, he's, even with his really absurd extensions that he has. <laughs> I really loved his gait every time he would walk it. Anyway, oh yeah, he's, like he's got to walk in this, lumbered, doesn't he? Like, he's got a, like real a John walk. Wayne kind of character. <laughs> is is this the most yoked that we've ever seen, Cage? Like, you, I don't think yeah. we get a lot of sweaty, oiled up Cage performances. In yeah, movies. he's really really beef, beefed up. At, beef, 
beefed up in this. Well, there's there's some really weird shots in Ghost Rider of him with a six pack, and it's like that. <laughs> That's some kind of Photoshop of <laughs> Nicolas Cage on someone else's body or something going on weird. Yeah, this is... I can't think of another movie where he's as jacked as this. He's like muscly in, in Wild at Heart, but he's not like jacked. He's just kind of like a skinny, cool guy, like with the... Like wiry. He's like wiry. But yeah, he's like really pumped up on this one. So I uh, I have a strong suspicion that I will be the defender of this movie and that nobody else really cared for it. Oh. <laughs> the first year oh, say that this movie, as racist and terrible as some of the things are in it, I love this movie and it's a four out of five regardless. I, I have a great time watching it every time. I hope to watch it again and many times more in the future. Uh, Josh, how about you? Um, I'm wavering between three and a half and four. Uh, it compared to Ambulance, which I, like I just said, I just watched, uh, this movie is a lot more fun. Like, yes, it's problematic in big chunks, but then again, I think Ambulance is too. I don't know that they've learned that, <laughs> that much in action movie writing school, uh, about being woke in the last 20 some years. Uh, but this movie was a lot of fun and I now get all of the, the bunny jokes and the Cyrus, the virus references, uh, they took make total sense now. So yeah, somewhere in that 3.75 range is what I'm giving it. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Virginia and Steven, what do you guys think? Steven, you want to go first? Okay. I'm going to give it. 2.95. So it's very close to a three. It's very close to three. And three is pretty high. Three is pretty high. I mean, three, it was, it's really fun. I would watch it again. There are lots of things I really love about it. I love my memory of my mom and I going to see it. Um, but as a rewatch, you know, a, a solid, solid 2.95. Almost three. Almost three. You know what? I'm going to go with three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please don't feel like you have to like it. And also, I feel like if I edited Danny Trejo's stuff out of this movie. And all the you, racist stuff be... and the and the anti-trans stuff. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, now we're cutting like 25 minutes. <laughs> but there's a lot of things I really, really love about it and uh, and characters I really love. Um, so it, it it hurts my heart that it's such a low rating. <laughs> Steven, what you got? I was going to say 3.5. Because... All right. Nice. Not right. bad. I think... Um, I think it didn't... It didn't hold up for me for what I expected. But I, I think it still is... What it does, it does well. And it's a really good example of of that time period and that, that type of film and that blockbuster experience and just being just being completely wild and there's explosions every time you turn around all that stuff i really i i really did like the arc of the end of going through vegas i just it was it was really amazing um but yeah 3.5 i think is uh where i'm gonna land i think this movie is definitely a definitive of 
the 90s. Yeah. I think this is like a tentpole of a very specific time and kind of movie that you can look at. You, you know on like Letterboxd where you can give, you give a rating and then you can also like a movie? Mm-hmm. That would be one of these for me where it would be like not the highest rating, but I do like it. <laughs> if that makes sense. So it totally makes sense. Totally. Uh, each one of those beats at the end in my notes, I was like, capital letters. What? Now there's a motorcycle chase. What the <laughs> shit? Like, <laughs> like each thing was just, it's more piled on top of more. And yeah. I, I have to appreciate that. There's something in me like, logistically making this movie is ridiculous it's so stupid <laughs> it, and i have to i have to love that mm. well thank you guys so much really appreciate you coming on the show this was a really fun episode i had such a good time and I, that's one reason that i really love the show and especially having guests on is because i would not have thought to do an episode like this but disaster movies and big action movies were a huge part of my childhood. And going back, it it just it reminds me of like how much fun and spectacle movies can be. And you don't always mm. have to think about things. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for having having us too. This was so much fun. This was awesome. Absolutely. Your first podcast in the books. Yeah. You done did it. Josh, you wanna get us out of here? Are you still feeling nervous? Oh, well, I'm nervous anew. I do think that the red coloration is not so much me. I think there's something up with my webcam today because it has not gone away. So You look washed out right now. I look washed out? No, not you. The the picture does. I think it's the backlight. Mm, Okay. I was trying to channel some of uh, Virginia's heavenly energy over here (laughs) with my... It's not not doing the same thing for me, though. I'm a little (laughs) upset. But I would like to say for Sean, for Steven, for Virginia, for myself, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. And we will see you in two weeks with we're not sure yet. So, (laughs) yep. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you.